this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, this week we have a think tank coming up. That's right, I said a think tank. We did a think tank once before and everybody loved it so much. I thought, you know what, maybe we're on to something here. So, every once in a while, maybe once a year, twice a year, we'll do a think tank. And this week we're going to do a think tank on Hollow Earth. I invited Justin Fall, Wes Fall, Chad Riley, and Jim Wilhelmson to come on the show and share their opinions and thoughts on this idea of Hollow Earth. The great thing about talking with these guys and the idea of a think tank is that we don't all have to agree on everything that we say, but it's us coming together to openly talk about things that most people aren't used to hearing. And in today's world where you say something and everybody wants to get angry right away, this is a great environment where people can share their thoughts, opinions in person and not get angry. We just sit there and have a conversation and that's what we did this week. I want to let everybody know before we get into this episode that we are going to be at Penhurst Paracon 2019. I'm very excited about it. I have a vendor's table set up right there at Paracon in Spring City, Pennsylvania, Penhurst Asylum. So if you're interested in attending that event, go to the website, look at the events section, click on that and you'll see where you can purchase tickets. Go ahead and purchase tickets, and I will see you there. Without any further delay, let's get to the show. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Job 1.7 The world consists of vast cultures with stories that constantly connect their gods with the inner earth. And not just their gods, 
but reptilian races of hybrid entities. We're talking superhumans, strange animal creatures, or what the Book of Giants refers to as monsters. When you're dealing with the areas around the world where so much myth, legend, oral tradition, and belief, contemporary belief, there's always uh, almost an embracing of the underworld. The Earth is actually dynamic. Um, by that, what I mean is that, you know, we all go to work every day, we get in our car, we are driving over a shell under which, according to the Bible, there is supernaturalism, there are entities, there are creatures, there are beings. If you were going to hide something and keep something secret, there's two places to do it. One is in the deep, deep oceans. The second place is a labyrinth, a network of tunnels and areas which go deep underneath the earth. There was truth to this idea that this race called the Vril Yah had been existing under the earth since the days of the Great Flood in the antediluvian world. In fact, the belief of the Vril Yah and of the power of Vril was actually so prominent among German occultists that it gave birth to a secret society, one of the most notorious secret society involving the Nazi regime called the Vril Society. The Nazi expedition to Shambhala originally started in, uh, in Greenland with the Edda. The Edda were ancient Nordic writings describing a hollow earth. They went there to see if they could find further details or information. They really, this was the top of their agenda. They had to find this opening. And the next thing you know, they had the Nishwabenland expedition to the Queen Maudland area of uh, the Antarctic. It's what drove them. It was a religious belief that drove them to to uh, cordon this area off and claim it for their own. When I read Admiral Byrd's um, description of, of things that he saw and, and, and how it felt going into this into this abyss type of type of opening, but it also was a long time ago and we've learned a lot about quantum physics since then. We've learned a lot about how these types of things would work. And there, there are too many descriptions in there uh, of things that he saw that line up with current um, quantum physics uh, understanding. The underworld of our people, very similar to uh, the Cherokee stories, the Creek stories, the Maya Incan stories of underwater panther and, and these underworlds where there's completely different civilizations that lived under there. We know in the Bible that the Watchers, the angels who kept not their first estate, according to Peter, are kept in chains in Tartarus until the judgment kept in darkness until the judgment. Tartarus, in Greek mythology, is as far below Hades, it's not Hades, it's as far below Hades as the earth is below heaven. That's where the Watchers, according to Peter, have been confined. And what we're finding out is that the fallen angels and demonic entities have been molding the views, they've been molding the cultures, and hyper-intentionally, they've been molding the religions of the world. They've been literally priming the world for the greatest deception of all time. And we are fast approaching that time right now, according to the Bible.
right. Today, we have a great show coming up. Now, I've had a lot of people asking to do another think tank. And so your wish is my demand. Today, we are doing another think tank. And today, we have four guys joining us on the show. We have Justin Fall, Wes Fall, Chad Riley, and Jim Wilhelmson. Uh, Jim Wilhelmson was on episode 21, I believe. And uh, we had a great time talking with Jim back then. And that was, shoot, almost two years ago now. So, uh, Jim, welcome back to the show, my friend. And uh, Thank you. If we could just run through here and we'll start with Jim, we'll go to Chad, then Wes and Justin. And if you guys could just share with us where uh, people can find your content and uh, who you are. So go ahead, Jim. Um, I'm in Detroit. Uh, you can uh, go to echozabinoc.com. It's E-C-H. Yeah, now I'm going to misspell. dot <laughs> org. Um, Facebook, however, under my name, Jim Wilmson, is probably where you'll get more current update uh, information. I, I haven't really abandoned my website, but I haven't really done much with it um, for some time. Uh, Facebook is where you can get some of the more current uh, information. Um, and like I said, it's under my name. Um, I've been a researcher, ordained minister for 40, ordained minister for 43 years, so I'm kind of an old guy. Um, I've been involved in the investigation of UFOs and aliens for 24 years now, and uh, I've seen it come a long way. So, um, you know, I kind of laid some groundwork way back when, and it wasn't easy talking about hollow earth and different things 24 years ago. So it still isn't easy today, but uh, it's getting better because it's, I think, uh, uh, the film that you guys came out with, I, I never dreamed that I was going to live to see the day when it would go like mainstream. A lot of people know about it. It's just, we've come a long way. Absolutely. So, uh, Chad. Yeah, I want to interrupt real quick. Hold on one sec. I just want to say, Jim, it wasn't just a film we released. It was a film that you released as well. Uh, Jim Wilhelmson played a major part in not only my initial research of Hollow Earth, but Jim was a major pillar of truth in the film. I don't want to keep talking. Just had to throw that in there because uh, Jim played a major role in this film. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I actually, Jim, I can, uh, I'll share this with you, Jim, right here with, with uh, the guys. Uh, I was texting with Justin and I told him I wanted to do a hollow earth think tank. And I said, who are the guys that you would want on the panel with you? And uh, the guys we have today are the guys he rattled off. And uh, he said, Without a shadow of a doubt, Chad Riley and Jim Wilhelmson have to be there. So, uh, Jim, that's a testament to all the hard work you've done over the years without knowing there was going to be a payoff or, you know, without seeing what has come of it. So, uh, Jim, we all thank you for the years of hard work you've done on these topics and uh, enlightenment. Uh, Chad, if you could, please let the audience know where you're from and where they can find your content. I ran out of Dallas, Texas. I'm actually a suburb of Wiley. Um, uh, whenever me and Justin were talking about doing a hollow earth film, uh, the first name that actually came up in conversation was Jim Wilhelmson. So we already knew right then and there that we wanted to have him to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, uh, started, uh, fourth watch films with my brothers, Justin and Wes. Um, I think they've kind of semi adopted me as part of fall bros productions as well. <laughs> That's and, right. uh, uh, it's a pure honor and pleasure to not only know these guys and have them as my brothers in Christ, but to actually work beside them and be doing work for the Lord. I couldn't ask for a better job ever. And obviously, let's get down to the Fall Brothers. Where are you guys 
originally from and how did this whole thing come together with fourth watch films uh well uh we've been all over the place man we grew up in houston texas uh for the past um i think 10 to 12 years we were out of atlanta georgia and now we're in any town missouri and loving that um great great time to be here and it's just perfect for this chapter of life it's very laid back and relaxed and it allows us to focus on the things that the lord has for us uh we are filmmakers fall bros productions and fourth watch films and um most importantly, we're followers of Christ, so we're we're really excited about this interview, and it's it's nice to be able to reminisce on some of the things the Lord's done, and um, and also look forward uh, to what He's going to be doing in the future. We can be found on FourthWatchFilms.com. You can purchase the Hollow Earth there. The most previous film, or sorry, most current film was The Belly of the Beast, and you can find that on SkywatchTVStore.com. <clears throat> And then, um, not to give uh, anything away, but we're currently working on higher entities, and that will also be on fourthwatchfilms.com. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all you guys being here and uh, joining me in this conversation of Hollow Earth. And uh, this is a topic that was introduced to me. Be, to be honest with you, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Jim, uh, me hearing you do that interview years ago was actually my introduction to this idea of Hollow Earth, and it captivated me. I, I remember I was sitting in my truck listening to you while I was driving, and I distinctly have this picture in my head. I was doing a delivery out the back of my truck, and I literally stopped what I was doing because you were saying something about this whole idea idea. And I, I just couldn't continue to work. And I had to stop what I was doing <laughs> and listen to what you're saying. And I was actually handing stuff off to a guy that was unloading into his shop. And I just said, hang on a second. I just need to hear what this about this guy's about to say, because I was totally taken in by it and stuff. So uh, this hollow earth uh, idea is something that's in the grand scheme of time, newer to me. Uh, but for you guys, you have been going into this uh, a lot, obviously. And so I'm here uh, to facilitate conversation and also learn myself because uh, there's a lot of information that you guys, I see you guys talking about. I'm like, wait a second. I don't know. I never heard that before. And I started, it kind of shoots me off into my own little readings and stuff. So uh, where did this hollow earth idea start at for you guys. Uh, Jim, I know uh, you shared that a little bit on the previous show. If you want to kind of go into it a little bit briefly, just to share with the audience how uh, you started looking into Hollow Earth, and uh, then we'll move over to Chad and the Fall Brothers. Well, when I was researching mainly the Nazi uh, technology, uh, the historical trail, what happened after the war, you know, what kind of research they were doing at the SS on and everything. Of course, you know, a pivotal point was a hollow earth. They were looking for a hollow earth. So I, that kind of segued into researching that. When I heard from a guy who was probably a, a well-informed government informant or a, um, somebody that was staying anonymous called Co- uh, Commander X, he wrote a book about the hollow earth and the, the uh, Nazi escape to uh, the Antarctic, where they found an opening to a hollow earth in you know, base 211. When the first time I heard it, I basically laughed hysterically. I thought it was the most kicked in the head, crazy idea in the whole world. It just, you know, I thought it was laughable. Um, at the same time, my son come up to me. He was 12 years old then. And uh, this was back in 1997. And uh, I was doing some research. And this is when I w- was hearing that. And my son was used to seeing me kind of geek out on my computer. I had this uh, uh, Bible computer program with about 80 different reference books condensed into one DVD and, or CD back in those days. And uh, 
so I was always on it, going back to the original languages and doing research and, and studies and everything. And he'd come up to me, he says, Dad, can we do a study together? And I'm thinking, oh, cool, yeah. You know, 12 years old, I want him to get encouraged to, you know, dig deep into the Bible. This is awesome. And then he, and in the same breath, he says, can we do one on hell? And I kind of, you know, playing poker face, you know, I'm going, geez, kid, can't you think of something a little more upbeat than doing hell? Are you kidding? So I just smiled and I said, sure, son, we'll do one on hell. Well, that was a God thing. He was The Lord was trying to tap me on the shoulder and say, Jim, quit laughing. This is serious stuff. As we started studying, just a topical study on hell, all of a sudden, scriptures that I had preached about, taught about, were jumping out, and they were just screaming at me. The earth's hollow. See, look at this scripture in Amos. That's the Nazi escape. I'm going, I was just, I was dumbfounded. I'm going, oh, my God. There is scripture to confirm that this is real, that what happened in World War II is actually a part of fulfillment of biblical prophecy. So that got my attention. I did an exhaustive study on it, ended up making my own little, little video on it. Um, began to be probably the first Christian that said, hey, guess what, guys? The earth is hollow. Guess where the Garden of Eden is? Guess who went down there? And, and of course, you know, it's still a hard subject to talk about and have some people take you serious. But... 23 years ago, it was very hard. I mean, people that had known me for years thought I just got, went off the deep end. Oh, that's new age. You can't talk about that kind of stuff. You know, and, my, so a lot, and unfortunately, the people that were the most antagonistic about it were well-meaning Christians that really didn't understand and were associating their only contact or concept of that idea was a cult-based or new age-based. So they're going, you know, Oh, you can't, you're going to get in that stuff. You're going to go crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's a bad trail. You can't go down that path. Well, no, the Lord is saying, no, this is something important that we need to understand now. It's come into its own time. So that's how I first got into it. And, and, uh, I've seen it come a long, long way. And, uh, one of the major pivot points, I think is the, uh, the video that, uh, uh that the falls had, had produced and Chad was a part of. So, Chad, how did you kind of get involved in the uh, Hollow Earth topic? Is that something that kind of happened by default by working with the uh, Fall Brothers? Well, I actually started out as a listener. Um, you know, I was listening to podcasts just like you as a truck driver and, um, you know, just started doing my own research into different topics and stuff and became friends with Justin online and went from being just somebody that he chit-chatted with to actually coming on to his podcast and before you know it, he started something called Remnant Revolution. That was me, him, BDK, and Kay Carswell. And out of that, uh, I ended up joining up with Kay Carswell on Deception Detection Radio. And just kind of went from there. And then we, me and Justin were having a conversation one night talking about the uh, Hollow Earth. when he was thinking about uh, doing some sort of a film project. And I think he was thinking more or less something in his basement. You know, nothing too big or anything like that. And... I was like, well, if we're going to do this, let's go all out. And, you know, we just started talking and we're like, well, who all would we want in this? And, and, you know, how would we do it? So it went from a 24 hour conversation to where we reached out to everybody that we wanted to be in the film. And within 48 hours later, we had everybody agreed to be in the film. So we had basically, what was it? About a month and a half to get everything prepped and be on the road and go out shooting at Justin. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
but no, we, um, I started, uh, I started researching the hollow earth only out of necessity. And some people would laugh when I say that, uh, you know, what's the necessity here, but, uh, it, it, you know, with the fourth watch radio show that I started back in 2014, um, I did a lot of research. I, I still do a lot of research, but I started to see kind of a common denominator in so many of these, these demonically inspired religions, you know, the, the ancient religions, the ancient cultures, um, there was this common denominator of the old gods and, you know, these old gods were said to have come up from inside the earth and they would go back down into the earth and they would come up. And, and, and all I could think about was, this is crazy that this common denominator that we see throughout all of these cultures and these religions, um, they all have some type of a tie to an inner earth or even, uh, a dimension inside the earth, you know, depending on the wording used. And then I find that, you know, it's all clicking in my mind that there's scripture in the Bible about demonic activity inside the earth. Now, obviously, Jim and others have held to the view of, of Eden, uh, but putting that on the side for a second, um, you know, you got the bottomless pit. You've got Jesus going down into the, you know, to the, the lower parts of the earth and preaching uh, to the spirits in prison. You've got uh, angels bound inside the earth in chains. You've got all these different references. Uh, and obviously, you've got the cliche Job verse that we, we, you know, everybody goes to the Job verse. And I think that's great. But there's something going on there. It's starting to click in my mind. And so I set out to do a, a trilogy of podcasts. And I, I did three podcasts on the hollow earth back to back. And I got into some very strange areas of research. And, and I can't tell you guys, like I received so much feedback on those three shows. Like I, I've never had so much feedback come in from a show that I did before. And I realized that there's so much more than what I put in, in, into the podcast, but they were going to be the basis of this film project. But then once we started uh, doing our pre-production for the film, I said, you know, why, why do we even want to put this in the film? Like we've already covered this. Let's, let's go into a whole nother direction. Like let's just, I mean, granted we, we pulled a couple little nuggets from the podcast, but we didn't want to redo that. You know, we wanted to leave that standing as it was and then go into all these other directions. And then my research, uh, before we even did the hollow earth film, uh, I had found Jim Wilhelmson's work. Uh, I believe he had done a video with the prophecy club years ago. And I started digging into some of Jim's research and I'm like, who in the world is Jim Wilhelmson? This guy is blowing my mind on every level. And I mean, some of the stuff that, that, that was coming out of Jim's mouth, it wasn't even registering in my brain. It was so in depth. And so I reached out to Jim, we became friends and we did uh, a couple different podcasts together on the hollow earth, various elements of the hollow earth. And then, you know, once we got hooked up with Chad, we decided to make this film and it took a, I, I can't even tell you, like this film, literally, uh, the timing could not have been more perfect because right as we are filming, you know, we had just finished all of our interviews and it was time to start, you know, putting it all together. I mean, the references to Hollow Earth were coming out like on steroids, on Netflix shows, comic movies. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm just sitting back and it's like, now that I have the mindset of knowing this stuff, I'm noticing more and more references in everyday life to this hollow earth, this subterranean realm. And I, I just, I, I told Wes, I said, this is crazy. We haven't even released the film yet. And we are already seeing, I mean, the, the soil is rich for this film to come out. And the film did way better than I expected it to do. Like I was thinking this is going to be some little niche group, but the film is blown up on a worldwide scale. I mean, international 
um, the emails and the feedback that's come in. I mean, this film is waking people up that this is not only a fact, because that's the big thing. People are like hollow earth theory. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not a theory. This is a fact. This is the physics of the, the spiritual realm and the physics of the earth that God has created. And furthermore, this is prophetic in every aspect. You know, this isn't, this isn't some topic like the flat earth. And I always have to tell people, this is nothing like the flat earth. Like, let's just go ahead and just stop talking like that. The flat earth does not pertain to prophecy. The flat earth does not pertain. And I'm not knocking people who believe in the flat earth. That, that's their personal choice. But it doesn't hold any weight in giving me an understanding of things that are prophetic, that are coming upon the face of this earth. The hollow earth fact, the hollow earth proof is prophetic because you've got all the cultures of the world and they are you know, one of the main prophecies of the hollow earth. And we talk about this in the film is that there is going to be a king who is going to rise up out of Shambhala and is going to reinstate peace on the earth. Now, if that doesn't sound like it's right out of the book of Revelation, uh, I mean, come on, guys. We're talking about this is right in line with our Antichrist um, scenario that's going to be happening according to the Bible. So all these things are adding up, and there's so much there that it, I, I just I, I want to say it's just it's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of a project that has been so groundbreaking. And it would not have been possible without people like Jim Wilhelmson and others who have put in the time over the years to really hash through some of these things, you know, to create that stimulation in your mind to want to look into them. Yeah, well, I'd like to, first of all, say thanks, Justin, for the influx of emails I'm going to get now about Hollow Earth versus Flat Earth. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, it, it has to get said because when, when, when you meet somebody new and, and you're like, they're like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, here's one of my movies. They're like, oh, Hollow Earth. Is it like Flat Earth? And I'm like, no, no, it's not. They're both topics that people research, but like the Hollow Earth is actually a prophetic topic that, that is valuable and understanding the end times and where we are as a world. Um, so there's a major difference. I look, I got friends that are big on the flat earth thing and, and you know, and that's, that's, you know, that's whatever, but the hollow earth is not anything in the same realm of, of research. The, the hollow earth is something so much bigger and so much meatier and so much more important to understanding things. So on those notes of, you know, now we're getting into the hollow earth here. Uh, is the hollow earth something that's physical and spiritual? I mean, are we talking about penetrating different realms of dimensions when you're talking about trying to, you know, maybe get to hollow earth? Like, uh, is this like a physical place where other entities are living or is it like an inter interdimensional type of place within our earth? Uh, and any one of you guys can start off with that. All of the above. <laughs> yes. All of the above. Um, it's a literal physical place. The Nazis actually, through understanding um, ancient myths and legends and their own prophecies from Helena Boblatsky, um, they backtraced different things. And they found an opening in New Schwabenland, the Antarctic. Uh, the Antarctic is pivotal on everything, the melting that's going on now with pyramids showing, with all of these different things happening down at the uh, Antarctic, with almost all the world leaders, uh, Obama when he was president, um, all these other major figures, the, uh, the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church, all these people interested, they didn't go down to the Antarctic personally to feed penguins. There's something major going on here, and it is a major fulfillment of prophecy. But all the prophecies are talking about a river Euphrates drying up 
and 200 million Chinese crossing over in the final great battle. So everybody's looking over there for something that is never going to happen, has absolutely nothing to do with scripture, uh, a, a prophetic scripture, and yet the Antarctic is where it's all happened. There was only one book that I was aware of back, written back in the 1880s by a, uh, by a Christian theologian. Uh, it was mentioned in the book Arctos, which was authored by a, um, an occult scholar. And what was, was compelling to me is he's not even believing himself necessarily in a hollow earth or a Nazi escape. He was just recording like a third person standing by, just recording all the evidence and compiling it in this book. One of the evidences he had was a book called Cosmic Problems Solved by H.M. Howell. I looked for this book. I couldn't find it on the planet anywhere. I couldn't even verify whether H.M. Howell was even real. Then one of my friends had some connections and a good researcher himself. Um, he got a hold of me and says, Jim, I found it. There's only one copy that exists on the, on the planet. And he found it in the um, New York City Library. He got a PDF copy. I got it on file. I got to read the book. And uh, I can direct anybody that's interested in reading it. He had, this guy had figured out back at the turn of the century from the scriptures, the scriptures alone, that the earth was hollow. It had an opening in the North Pole, had an opening in the South Pole. The waters, currents, would flow into the North Pole and then flow back out in what Helena Blavatsky called the pit through the South Pole. Mm. Now, with uh, a long story short, he was saying that the four rivers of Eden were not flowing out of the Euphrates River in the Middle East. They could never find four actual, even with spectrographical analysis from satellites and everything, they cannot find four literal rivers, only three. No one, the fourth one never to be found. Now he's saying that the ocean currents flowing in and flowing out create the four major currents which control our weather today. And that is the four. The four uh, rivers are actually the ocean currents coming out on the earth. One of them is slowing down. There's prophecy that would indicate that that would happen. And because it's slowing down, it's melting the ice in the Antarctic. Two and a half miles thick before there's a continent that Perry Reese maps accurately showed before it, it had been frozen over. We know that probably that happened during the time of Peleg, which was the time uh, right after the Tower of Babel and, and uh, the continents were ripped apart and everything was like flash frozen in fresh water. So my claim is that that is probably the ancient mythological idea or concept of uh, Atlantis. And it was splash frozen with fresh water. That means whatever technology, whatever things existed down there are in pristine condition. All they have to do is be dried out and you've got brand new fun toys to play with that existed before the flood. So many other things, too. So everybody's looking for a 200 million invasion from China across the Euphrates, which I always thought how illogical that is. I mean, in World War II, in a fast running water of, of the Danube River. Uh, we had the technology to make pontoon um, bridges and drive tanks over them. A, a river drying up isn't preventing anything anymore from any way. When you look at the um, the words in the Hebrew, dried up, does it's not even there. It's melting. Something is melting. What is melting? The floodwaters that were held in reserve. 
is outpouring. They're melting, and the way for the locust invasion from inside the Earth comes out. That's what the Antarctica is all about. So it that is what a if, pivotal. I, 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 I want to interject a question about this real quick because yeah. um, it's funny because when we put the film out, a lot of people reached out with questions or personal stories. And one of the things that, that kept coming up was obviously, uh, you know, Antarctica is frozen. It's frozen and it's not easily accessible. So like if, if we wanted to, if we raised the money, we could go there, but we can't just go around exploring. Like we're only allowed to go in certain places that they let us go. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the theory, there, there's actually a number of theories that go along with this question that was brought to me. Um, because we know the, the Perry Reese map shows Antarctica without ice there, there, there's no debating that like, that's a fact. And you know, why are the elites going down there? Why are they doing all this stuff? Obviously the Nazis, uh, we all believe that the Nazis, uh, created base 211 down there. There's there, that, that's, that's a fact, I believe. Um, but it's actually mentioned by Admiral Donuts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, General Donuts. Yes. But here, here's the thing. Tesla, Nikolai Tesla, uh, he did not create the technology that he, you know, made made popular. Uh, I personally believe that he was receiving uh, channeled materials, uh, yep. ancient technology. You know, he didn't just discover it, but he was a vessel that was used to bring this stuff back out into the public eye in our modern world. Now, I believe it's possible that whoever the powers uh, that be, and and again, we're probably talking about some supernatural entities here, um, but I believe that it's very possible that they intentionally created Antarctica with ice. Like, obviously, it wasn't icy, but I believe that it's possible that part of their timeline was that they wanted to create some type of a diversion, something that would keep people out. And whether that was governments of the world, uh, I don't know. But what I can say is that it's not past their technology, their ancient technology. It's not past that to think that they could have frozen Antarctica for a time such as this in order to keep people out, knowing that these armies of demonic hybrids that are going to come out of the bottomless pit. It's like in the movies. It's like they're going to they're going to reawaken these ancient entities and they, you know, the, the evil, sinister rulers of the world want to be on location. They want to have boots on the ground and they want to have everything set up for when that event takes place, thinking that they're going to be able to somehow guide these things into fulfilling their agenda. So I think it's very possible that Antarctica was frozen intentionally. Uh, now, I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not stating this as a fact, but I think it's a possibility that it was done intentionally to try to keep the masses out. And real quick, Justin, also, we also want to touch on the fact that when we were with Timothy Alvarino, remember that was one of the things that he brought up was the whole thing with the uh, Chincana. Uh, he was talking about Ansel P. Rambla, his research, and that, you know, people know that the Chincana is like this underground highway that's megalithic, has megalithic, you know, walls and everything, ceiling and so on. And he talks about this going from Bolivia through Peru all the way through the Amazon jungle, and then he even alluded that the 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 legends and the myth actually state that this thing goes under the ocean all the way to Antarctica. And it's odd because you know, I mean, when you when you see that Hitler supposedly left and that he ended up in South America, that would make sense if there was this underground highway that he could basically take to get there. It's almost like a satanic counterfeit of God parting the Red Sea because God led his people on dry land. You know, he parted the sea so that they could cross. And then you've got these occultists going and going underneath 
the earth, literally going under the ocean. Now that is hard for somebody to wrap their head around to think that they're, they're walking on dry land underneath a major body of water. Um, but we have evidence of the Chincana. We have, we have so much historical evidence to back this up. Uh, and, and, and just for anybody that, that might think it's a conspiracy theory, you know, we break down uh, the uh, declassified documents from the FBI. We got them from the FBI vault materials. It's free for anyone to find. But they, they completely confirmed that Hitler was alive and well, and he was spotted in Argentina. This is not a conspiracy theory. Um, but then we also have something interesting where Joseph Mengele, the uh, mad scientist doctor, he goes down to South America. He does not head down to Antarctica with the rest of the Nazis. He starts setting up his shop down in South America, and he's practicing as a house-to-house veterinarian. But what's interesting about this is that he wasn't just doing veterinary work. He was delivering. He was like a prenatal and, and, and a delivery doctor. He was delivering tons of kids, and he was doing tests and uh, supplementation with women who were pregnant down there, South Americans. And this is so real that Time Magazine had to cover it. Uh, Time Magazine covered that. I forget what the year it was, but research had shown that there was an influx of Aryan-looking children being born in South America, but not just Aryan-looking children twins so you had an influx of these blonde hair blue-eyed twins all over south america and they were not from europe they were being born uh, from from everything that i understood the article to say they were being born from south american descent but they looked like you know the perfect aryans the blonde hair blue eyes and they're still down there to this very day uh, you know, uh, you know, generation after generation, you know, uh, of childbirth, you've got all these twins, and and I personally believe it was a direct uh, connection with Joseph Mangala. You know, Job thirty ninth chapter uh, and a scripture in Proverbs in reference to Job thirty nine clearly describes that there was there is a circular pattern of cavernous systems that protect the inner chamber or inside the hollow earth. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing all these caves. We're seeing all this consistency and myths and legends of giants coming out and going back in. Um, all of this is very cohesive to describe one story and one event. And it is biblical. It can be proven by it. So once I see it in scripture, it's solid. It's, it's, for me, it's, uh, it's not a theory. It's not an idea. Here it is in the Word. It's describing this vascular system or network of caves that's used as a defense to protect the inner chamber or the inner hollow earth. And this is what we're seeing. This is what all the myths and legends and, and historical accuracy uh, is, is confirming. Jim, you, you told the story to me and we ended up, I don't, I don't think it ended up making the film because uh, there, there was something, uh, there, there was uh, some back and forth. I couldn't remember what it was, uh, but uh, we didn't get a good take of it. But you shared a story with me um, about your, I think it was your grandfather. Yeah. And I, I want you to share the story and then I need to add something to that story. Like, I don't even want to tell it in your words. I'd rather you tell it. Uh, I've okay. got something really powerful that I need to add to that after you tell that. Okay, cool. You know, I did more research on that, too, and I come to find out that one of the biggest problems um, after uh, Admiral Byrd's death was that his notes from his Arctic and Antarctic, he made both expeditions. Right after he did the Arctic expedition, uh, Ford, Ford Motor Company, I think it was uh, Ford's wife, funded in Antarctic. So he went in 1929, he went to the Arctic, he went to the Antarctic. 
um, all the notes that he had were all mixed up and jumbled so that nobody knew what notes were from which one. But biblically, in, a, in, the, in the Antarctic, there's two and a half miles covering whatever's down uh, underneath. Now, the North Pole, every summer, it's open and accessible. And yet, in modern days, there's no flight path over that area. You're not allowed to fly. You'll get shot down. So, you know, uh, again, there, there's a, a consistency there. But one of the things that I was, 1964, I read a book, which now is an iconic book, uh, The Hollow Earth. Uh, it was in Popular Mechanics uh, advertisement, and I wanted to buy it. And I asked my grandpa, I said, you know, grandpa, everything that I've learned in school, you know, the earth isn't hollow, but this book is talking about it. And, and I was thinking about ordering it. And he looked at me, he says, oh, no, Jimmy, no, I, you know, it is. I remember when I was younger, he said it was in the late 20s. And of course, I guess it was 1929. He says, uh, I was at the movies and they had uh, the news because back then they would have movie tone news in between, you know, setting up the reels and everything. And uh, he says, nope, I, I saw the film. Uh, Admiral Byrd had flown into the into the hollow earth. He took pictures, photographs of a woolly mammoth and tropical vegetation and all kinds of uh, crazy things. So it's it's real, Jimmy. I, I remember thinking, Grandpa, I don't know, man, uh, you know. Maybe you're just uh, malaria from fighting in, in uh, the jungle and during World War II or something. But I just, I, you know, I didn't say anything. I love my grandpa, but I just thought maybe maybe confused. I read a book by Alec McFarlane, uh, The Hollow Earth Enigma. And it had the deathbed, deathbed confession of the man who filmed the newsreel when, he, when Admiral Byrd was going uh, flying over the uh, Arctic Circle during the summer where they actually flew in. And uh, he, on his deathbed testimony, said, that, no, it was legitimate, it was real. But the thing is, when you have a cover-up, you're not going to find any evidence. And so, you know, if you look for any evidence of a movie tone news, I mean, they it only played two or three days, and all of a sudden they had it removed from every theater. So it only played in a few cities, happened to be in Detroit, where my grandfather was. Um, and it was only there for a couple of showings, and then it was pulled completely off. And then all traces of its existence forever gone. But we know that a certain amount of uh, this stuff is going to be covered up for a certain amount of time. So that's why there is no evidence of it. Just as there's no evidence of Admiral Byrd having a discussion to a... Um, uh, South American newspaper that had got a hold of him shipped ashore on his way back after Operation High Jump when he made the claim that in the future we'd have to contend with aircraft that could go from pole to pole in a matter of minutes. So that could be not verifiable. But then there is trace evidence, but they're only rumors. Uh, I think sometimes when we're dealing with something that's covered up, rumors do have uh, a certain level of validation. So I'm done. Go ahead. Add, add what you want. So Jim's story about his grandfather seeing this film this is actual film footage of this experience that we read about in Admiral Byrd's diary. Now, now, granted, there, there's discrepancy as to did Admiral Byrd write it? Was it, uh, you know, somebody else with him? Was it something where his, you know, uh, Jim believes that Admiral Byrd's diary is based off of his first expedition, not not his second. Uh, and, and and Jim, if I'm getting this wrong, correct me. But uh, we've had so many talks about it. I feel like I know. Uh, but, you know, Jim basically says that the information's good. It's, it's real. 
but it's not covering the time frame that it claims. Like basically, it was from his first expedition, not a second, uh, based on the video that uh, they, the film that they played in in the, in the uh, theater. Now, it's so crazy. You've got you've got Jim's grandfather saying this is real. I saw the footage. I saw the mammoths. I you know, one minute it's icy, the next minute it's like this beautiful deciduous vacation fantasy land. Now, that sounds crazy. But Jim came on the Fourth Watch radio show, and he tell he told that story a few years ago, and I'm not even kidding you guys. I had I believe it was two separate people. I don't have them in front of me, but I had at least one. I think two people reached out to me. They were older, and they said that is in fact true. They said we have family members that have taken that story to their grave. They saw that same film that Jim spoke of. They saw it in their theaters, and they told that story throughout the family lines until they died. Wow! Wow! Now I never reached out to Jim to tell him that, but you know now's as good a time as ever. But I've had multiple people back this up and validate this, and they have said that. And so I want to say that there is something to this. Um, now the other thing I want to mention about Admiral Byrd. A lot of people are going to sit back and they're going to say, oh, that's just a fabrication. There's no way he went down inside the hollow earth and there's no way that some entity spoke with him and all this technology and all that. Well, it's interesting because in church today, the pastor was speaking on a passage that we broke down. We broke it from Matthew. We broke this down in the hollow earth chronicles film where Satan takes Jesus up uh, to the pinnacle oh. and he, you know, he shows him all the, uh, the 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 glories and the the riches, uh, you know, the, uh, all of the, the the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. It's actually mentioned in more than just Matthew. It's, it's it shows up in, in in another gospel account. I think Luke. Uh, but how in the world does Satan take Jesus to this high place, a place that no human could even walk up to? Right, the pinnacle of the temple for crying out loud. And show him the glory of all the kingdoms of this world and then offer it to Jesus if he would just bow down and worship him. It's kind of ironic to think that you got this this knucklehead, this little demonic minion that's a piece of garbage that's going to burn for eternity. And he's trying to sell this glorious kingdoms of the world to the creator for crying out (laughs) loud. I mean, what a stupid move. Anyway. Here's the point. How does Satan have the power to show him all of these things in a moment of time? That's what I believe was taking place with this this master. They called him the master. This this entity of hollow earth showing Admiral Byrd all of these grand experiences. Now, I don't know. I think there's some type of a dimensional something or other in there. But regardless, we weren't there. I believe it's true. But here's the thing I want to make a point about. Admiral Byrd was not some kook. He was not some crazy. We're talking about one of the most decorated, most heroic, uh, according to worldly terms, of course. Uh, you know, the guy was was an American hero and polar explorer. I mean, the, 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 the guy literally, when he died, he died one of the most decorated and most achieved uh, United States servants, if you want to call him that. Now, he was not a Christian. He was definitely tied in. Uh, My research has shown that he was connected with the Freemasons and some other groups. But here's the thing. His family knew what was going on. Okay, Admiral Byrd spoke to his family. This is a fact. And we have a very crazy conspiracy. Uh, When you research Admiral Byrd's family, his son, Admiral Byrd Jr., 
I don't have the article in front of me. It's covered on major mainstream news sources online. I think I think the the one I read was Washington Post. Um, Admiral Byrd Jr. He's found dead in a where in an abandoned warehouse. He's missing a shoe, and it looks like a staged crime scene. Okay, there's like empty liquor bottles, and and, and again, he's missing a shoe. When somebody's missing a shoe and they're found dead, usually they were chased. Yeah. Now this took place. He was in town. Supposed to, he was supposed to be going to a some type of an honorary meeting. Uh, it was like a the government was honoring his dad, Admiral Byrd. He, they were doing some type of a thing where they were going to honor him and they were going to mention some of his you know his great uh, you know uh, feats. But he never made it. He ends up dead in a warehouse. It's been abandoned. And and again, the crime scene looks staged. And this is all mainstream news. Like, what were they trying to keep Admiral Byrd Jr. from exposing to the world? I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to understand this. Jim, are you familiar with this story? Um, part of it. Go on. I'm finding it very interesting. Well, I, no, I, didn't, I didn't hear about his son. I heard even his own death was kind of somewhat questionable as to the timing, why and how and everything. So. Well, it's easy when somebody, you know, somebody's getting into this information and they're a direct relative, especially like a, yeah. a son. Um, you got this guy and, and he knows the secrets. He's got firsthand testimonies from his dad. Uh, his dad has already gone on. You know, he's already passed. And I mean, all I can say is that my opinion on the matter, not only was the crime scene completely funky, I mean, that whole thing right there just stinks of a conspiracy, but what were they trying to keep him from talking about? I mean, I, I personally think it was all having to do with Admiral Byrd's inner earth experiences. That's what I personally believe. I, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't doubt it. I mean, there are so many repetitive uh, stories like this all throughout history. Morris K. Jessup, um, he had made a Nazi connection to technology related to time travel, but also related indirectly to a location inside the earth. On his way to uh, release what he found to the press, he decides to turn off the side of the road and commit suicide. He's dead. End of story. You know, um, the bass guitar player, of all things, for um, uh, Iron Butterfly. Remember the song in Agata de Vida? Mm-hmm. He ended up becoming a theoretical physicist. He worked on a project. Uh, actually, he was, his, he was working on cell phones. He found and discovered a formula to send cell phone signals faster than the speed of light. He was working with the government. All of a sudden, at the height of his career, he runs off a mountain in California and months later, his van is discovered uh, um, at the bottom of a ravine, and they say it was suicide. Now, I talked to his family members, and uh, they were upset at me because I had made a video, and I was implying that, you know, that he was taken out. And they were saying, oh, no, no, um, Mr. Wilmson, you're all wrong. We know him. He's our family member. He was my son. He was, you know, whatever the relation was. And they're saying, no, he got off the deep end. He was getting into all of this new age stuff and, and uh, talking about vibration and sound and light and, and just talking crazy talk. And, uh, and he, he got into the new age occult stuff and, and just went crazy and ended up committing suicide. And I said, you know, thank you very much. 
for your testimony. I really greatly appreciate it. And that would be what most people would understand. But you got to realize that within the New Age movement, they may have a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion, but there's real physics there. That's why people are finding it so appealing, because there's truths that are not metaphysical. They're science, just raw, plain science. My gosh, he was almost quoting uh, Nikola Tesla about sound, light, and vibration. That's what it's all about. Going past the uh, relativity and, and speed, that's what it's all about, sound. It's about vibration. So it isn't just some drug-infested hippie talk. This is real science that he was understanding and he was taken out for. So uh, just so many different things that we don't realize how interconnected they are. Um, Jim Morrison of the Doors, did you know what his daddy did for a living? He was Air Force Intelligence, working directly with UFOs. Do you know what some of his songs uh, that, that um, uh, he was singing were pertaining to? More and more about what his dad did. The Crystal Ship. I mean, you re-examine many of the songs that were coming out, and he was uh, planning on having a whole new level of getting more. But all of a sudden, he drug overdoses and drowns himself in his own bathtub. No, you all, you guys probably remember the uh, the famous line, "I am the Lizard King." You remember that? Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Morrison is well known for calling himself the Lizard yep. King, yep. and uh, I guess it was about two years ago. Uh, there was a there was a, a lady on Facebook. I, I don't remember her name, but uh, I'd, I'd seen her post, and she was she was a New Ager. She was into the New Age, and she had posted this picture, uh, about four or five pictures of this reptilian head. It was made out of stone and it was massive. I mean, this thing was like big and it looked like it, it, it could have come from like Japan or something. Um, so I reached out to her and I said, Hey, listen, that's really interesting. Can you tell me more about it? And, uh, she explained that it was an artifact that is connected to Mount Shasta. She lived out there by Mount Shasta. And, you know, we talk about Mount Shasta a little bit in the film, uh, there's a lot of history with mountain magic and uh, like a certain Native American Indian tribe that has uh, ancient, you know, I, I say ancient, but, but, you know, historic ties to the mountain. Uh, there's a belief that Mount Shasta is there, there's a, some type of a secret opening where you can get into the mountain and the mountain will take you down inside the hollow earth. And uh, I've heard different theories on this and different beliefs that it's a it's a portal on the side of the mountain. Uh, almost like if we walked up to it, we could knock on it like it's, it's solid rock, but like a certain time of the year or by, by satanic rituals, you can open it to where you could walk right through that rock wall, uh, almost like a, you know, like a, a laser facade or something. But anyway, uh, to, to get back on track, she was telling me that this is believed to have its origins in Mount Shasta and that these were representations of the reptilians. Now, obviously we know the L.A. Times back, uh, I forget the exact date, was it like the 30s or the 40s? I don't have it in front of me, but we showed the actual film scans of the L.A. Times covering that they, there was a geo-mining engineer, and he, he sunk a shaft near Fort Moore Hill. This is in California, and he sunk a shaft, and then he found an opening to the hollow earth, and they found, this is, in, this is mainstream news, they found a subterranean civilization of what they said uh, had lizard people inhabitants. Now, when you consider that this is, you know, Los Angeles, when you consider that, you know, the city of angels, and when you consider that it, it's, it's a, 
very much a historic city that has connections to reptilians and mountain magic and, and all types of crazy esoteric beliefs and, and religions of the past, it made a lot of sense. But when you think about a reptilian lizard people civilization being covered by mainstream media, they could not cover this up. And then furthermore, they connected it to a treasure hunt that began to take place because not only do they have records of uh, reptilians living there, but they also have uh, there was a belief that there was buried treasure down there. And it's interesting. The 19, but 1930s. 1930s. Yeah, and also the Hopi <laughs> Indians were also talking about that as well. So they, they weren't the only one. The same with uh, Superstition Mountains and all the Indian legends there, the Anu, the Ant people. Um, and again, you know, describing the same kind of a, almost like a, a, an intersection for a vortex or something. Sedona, Arizona, the same thing there. When I went there, I, I heard testimony from a, 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 a geologist working for the USGS, and um, he's, he was also uh, on the emergency uh, recovery team uh, working for uh, the city of Sedona. For He was a mountain climber, a spelunker. Um, he did all that kind of stuff, and he said that there are so many people that disappear from that area that um, when you go into the park and sit in... Uh, superstition mountains they want your license number so that they make sure that you're going to be coming out now there's several reasons one is a natural the other are all supernatural reasons you go in and you don't come out but then there's a whole idea about national parks why are they national parks because the powers of being know that there's these are intersecting points where a lot of interesting strange and weird things are happening and uh, superstition mountains just like Sh uh, mount shasta um and there's other locations all over the world. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not isolated. They're consistent to a uh, a pattern. And one more th one one more thing I wanted to interject before we get too far away from the whole bird thing. Uh, one of the things that I found out about was that his nephew was also a part of Majestic Twelve. Harley Bird was part of MJ Twelve, <laughs> and he actually did the foreword for the book Stranger at the Pentagon, which talks about the the, one of the most infamous uh, ETs that people talk about, which is Valiant Thor. I mean, you've heard of uh, Phil Snyder. Uh, there's been a few other people that have talked about Valiant Thor, this uh, being that they met that had no fingerprints whatsoever. They said he didn't even have a navel. Uh, they referred to him as, a, as an angel or an angelic being. And um, also, uh, let's see. I just lost my train of thought. Goodness. Let me chime in real fast. This is crazy. I got a text message last night. It's crazy that Chad brings up Valiant Thor. I got a text message last night from one of my friends, and she just got off the phone with one of her friends who uh, designs uh, spacecraft in Arizona. Like That's his career, uh, designing different types of spacecraft. He told her, I kid you not, I'm looking at the text message right here. Uh, he told her that they have just reverse engineered Valiant Thor's spacecraft. And he says that they, wow. they had to look to the Anunnaki tablets to get some of the information they needed. Now, I, I, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, Justin, because uh, I did a show, I think it was episode 122. I titled it uh, Secret Military Enochian Technology. And I had a guy who is American, but he lives in Australia because he, he just wanted to get away from what he was involved with in the military, where he was 
he basically ranked very high in his graduating class, and he found himself in a situation where he was supposed to go into, and he didn't tell me the, the country, but he was supposed to go into basically the wilderness to, to find a downed aircraft, and he had his orders. They found this downed aircraft, and he said it was absolutely like nothing he's ever seen before. And on the outside, it looked like a, a chessboard with checkers all over it. And when they got inside, one of his jobs was basically, I guess, to retrieve data off the computer. There was nobody inside of it, and he found, I, I forget what he, what what he was looking at, but he found something that had this language on it that he didn't know what exactly it was. So he's looking through his manual to try finding what language it was so he could figure out what it said. And one of the scientists that they brought with him puts his hand on the book and says, you're not going to find it in there. And he's like, what do you mean? And the guy goes, that's Enochian language. And he said, just get what get done what you need to get done so we can get out of here. And so like the idea of Enochian technology, Enochian language being tied in with the, uh, just let's just say, for a general sense, our military's advancement in technology, it seems to be something that's pretty real. Yeah, and I, I thought of the other thing I was going to bring up was the uh, the newest episode of Ancient Aliens, season 14, episode one, is uh, titled Return to Antarctica. And they actually have a military pilot on there that is talking about the region uh, uh, down there in Antarctica that they're not allowed to fly over. He talked about that they got a call from one of the other substations on the other side of uh, about 14 hours away. So they were flying to get there to get this person that had been in some sort of explosion, a boiler room or something, to get to him and get him to uh, the medical base. And while they were flying there, they were like, well, we can't go around this. Otherwise, it's going to take too long. It's going to take at least an extra hour. So they went through the restricted airspace that they were not supposed to go over. And they said that whenever they were flying over this restricted airspace, they said they looked down and there was this gigantic opening leading inside of the earth. And then they said whenever they were coming back, they had got orders over the, uh, the radio and said they explicitly told them that they were not allowed to restrict that airspace again. And they said that the, the gentleman that they went to go pick up, he actually died because they weren't able to get him back in time. You know, the Antarctic theme seems to be in almost every kind of movie now. Um, X-Files had it back in the 90s. Um, you can't turn on any kind of movie, sci-fi movie, with aliens or whatever without refer- with some, some kind of reference to the Antarctic. Uh, my gosh, there's a Christian film on uh, Amazon Prime. I just watched it a couple of days ago. This Christian film was about time travel and this one christian kid who's been you know chosen for one reason or another and guess where the most uh the safest place on the planet as a safe refuge was under the ice in the antarctic Hmm. so i mean it's a theme that has just permeated everything now i was going to bring up uh we were speaking of admiral bird and also just some more conspiracy surrounding this whole thing with uh for people that don't know with operation high jump um, you had Bird that led this expedition to Antarctica. Uh, about 4,000 troops, I believe, were with him. And they had uh, people from Britain, Australia, you name it, um, brought down planes, ships, subs. Um, and they basically just sold it as an investigation to the public. Uh, but it was a joint military attack. And you had, um, let's see, what was it? Uh, there there was something, uh, Pine Island, uh, the ship was was removed from the manifest. So that was pretty shady. But it was reported uh, UFOs were seen, alien technology, um, and and Bird just like Jim puts it, um, he got his butt kicked. I mean, they went down there and it's, it's they were they were outmatched. They were um, they were up against uh, a force that was technology outside of our realm. 
And so when he comes back, this is just a little short summation. When he comes back, he, um, he moved to have the nuke test done in Antarctica. And right as the bill was going to Congress uh, to, to suggest that to be a nuke place uh, of the testing, um, shortly after that, and, and Jim breaks us down in the segment, um, that the, uh, the UFOs flew over D.C. in 1952, and they were in a Luftwaffe formation. Now, to add to the, the crazy conspiracy with all this, you had, uh, you had the Secretary of Defense Forrestal, and he wanted to blow this story open, but um, he was unfortunately thrown to his death out of a hospital uh, window. Oh, Bethesda, Maryland. Yes, 16th floor. Yeah, convenient. Crazy. Very convenient. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the whole Antarctica stuff, I mean, you can't get around it. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're brought up in public schools to know that it's an icy continent. Right. You know, depending on people's beliefs about the shape of the earth, obviously the placement of Antarctica would be different. But regardless of all that, uh, we're brought up to believe it's an icy continent and it's not something that, you know, you just go on a vacation to and have free roam. You know, if you go out there, it's, you're limited to where you can go. And I'll even I'll even add a little something interesting. Uh, we had when we went down, not not us, but w- when when Admiral Byrd took his fleet for Operation High Jump, he took uh, he, he took soldiers from the U.S., uh, from Britain, and also from Australia. And what's really fascinating is that although they got their butts kicked and then they you know they they fled back home, um, now today, the United States has a year round presence there. And British intelligence, they a lot of the stories that we've heard about crazy stuff happening down there ties back to British intelligence. And so you've got some of the very descendants of the uh, of the countries, you know, I mean, uh, who were part of Operation High Jump. And they're now set up, you know, they've got basically set up shop over there. Uh, But I need to make one quick comment about the USS Pine Island. Uh, We've received a little bit of negative uh, feedback from you know, what we said about the Pine Island uh, in the film, we never said it like just disappeared, like, like into thin air. You know, when we talk about it being disappeared, it was removed from the logs and the, the debate comes in because currently today it's, uh, it's either privately owned or it was privately owned and sold back to the government. I, I don't remember all the details, but there is a ship today that's, that's docked somewhere in America, uh, the USS Pine Island, and it's a historic ship. Now, I never said that it got vaporized or anything like that. People are very quick to make you know judgment calls based on everything that you say. What I said was it disappeared. How do you lose a ship? You know, when you lose a ship, it means it's not on the on the register. It's not on the log anymore. And it's my belief that the <coughs> ship was pretty much you know it, it was pretty a pretty bad shape. And it was a major ship, by the way, a major freaking ship. This thing was huge. And so I believe that what they did to try to cover their own butts is that they had to try to get it repaired or rebuilt, and then they let it resurface again, and now it's back on a log. But officially, and I think everyone on this panel will back me up here, it was removed. It disappeared from the logs in the registry for some time. So you're saying because it was involved in an altercation, it was damaged, and so they decommissioned it, repaired it, and then popped it back up so that everybody could see that all is well and normal. Well, that was well, some, of the, some of the reports that came out from some of the eyewitnesses that were part of Operation Hijup. That was some of the things that they were saying, that these UFOs were coming up out of the water, and they had some sort of energy weapons that were literally cutting through the holes of the ship like butter. But when something's decommissioned, it, it's still there's still a, you know, a recollection of where it is. 
You know, like just because something's decommissioned, but we're talking like it disappeared off the registry. Like, you know, in in, in layman's terms, it was lost. You know, it was it was a lost piece of equipment, a lost piece of property. It was not on the registers anymore, but then it resurfaced years later and it's repaired. And I think what they were doing was trying to create some damage control. And I think that that's why they brought it back out and made a spectacle of the USS Pine Island because it's like, oh, well, now here it is. It never got it, it was never lost. It never disappeared. We have it right here. It's privately owned and you can come visit it if you want. It's, you know, it's damage control. Yeah. See, with one of the things that you we face with dealing with these topics and stuff is that uh, most people are products of the public school system and they're taught to believe certain things. And it's basically the pro- public school system becoming a brainwashing institution of the truth of what they want you to believe in the long run. And so when we're bringing up these different ideas and topics, one of the biggest things that you have to combat is people saying, well, I've never heard about that. Why didn't I hear about that from anybody that's reputable other than yourself? And but what we're dealing with here is uh, a world that isn't what we what we're taught to believe it is. Uh, our, the physical world that we're taught about intertwines and meets this interdimensional uh, other spiritual world and when it comes to this hollow earth topic and stuff you start seeing the two worlds meet with you know the nazis practicing alchemy there, there there's reasons why they did these things where they are doing scientific experiments and mystical things because they were combining the two to get the desired agenda done that they wanted and so with like the hollow earth and stuff and the entrances like even that we're talking about uh, physical entrances, north and south, but then we're also talking about these portals that are popping up all over the all over the world, really. And you know, I think it was Jim that mentioned about the national parks and things like that uh, in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm at. Uh, the uh, Allegheny National Forest, I, uh, forest I would say, is close to one eighth of the state of Pennsylvania. That's how big this is. I mean, it's really a big forest, and at the same time, Pennsylvania's uh, rumored to have a deep underground military base, uh, a, a dumb. And it makes me wonder sometimes is, are these deep military underground bases involved with the the cover up of hollow earth and, and what could be possibly going on down there? Yeah, absolutely. Let me, let me just make a comment on, on the, uh, the federal parks. Um, I guess it was about, uh, I guess 2003 or four. I don't remember. But uh, I heard a guy who was a joint chief of staff, former, he was retired, former joint chief of staff, uh, you know, super high security clearance at the Pentagon for, uh, he worked in the Pentagon for over 15 years. I think he was like a purple heart, maybe even like a double purple heart. The guy, the guy's got more credentials than, than I've ever seen. I mean, it's crazy. And he was saying that uh, the new world order back then, that was the, 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 the hot word was the new world order. And he was talking about, he, from the inside, saw the new world order working already all throughout the United States government. And he said that the parks, the federal parks, he said that they've got a brown sign. You know, uh, the, the federal government uses different colors of, of like road signs and, and mild, you know, different, different types of uh, signs, uh, the different colors, just like a color coded thing. Like, you know, the average person doesn't know this, but it's, it's, it's a fact. So he said that anything with a brown sign is actually United Nations collateral. So the UN owns whatever we see that's federal property that has a brown sign. And he said, you'll see this with a lot of libraries and with the federal parks. So what's interesting about this is that he he went on to explain that if you don't believe him, he said, all you got to do is just 
walk into one of these parks and start snooping your nose around in some of the weird places that are that are like kind of cordoned off. He says if you if you just start snooping around some of the federal parks, you'll find parking lots in the middle of no like, like you're in the middle of woods and all of a sudden there's a parking lot and it's cordoned off and it'll be filled with white United Nations vehicles. They're unmarked, they've got barcode license plates, and he said they're literally sitting there waiting for the United Nations to come in as part of the New World Order's martial law initiative. Now, I'm sitting back thinking this is crazy. Why on earth would would this even be? You know, back then we're still, you know, believing that America is is, you know, seeking the best for the world, right? Like I had not fully woken up. I was just starting to wake up. So my brother and I, we head over to the, to the federal park. There, there's one right behind our apartment at the time. We, we, our, our apartment complex backed up to the federal reserve. So we go over there and I kid you guys not, we start snooping around. It's after hours, the sun's setting and we find a parking lot in the middle of the woods that's decked out in these unmarked white cars that have a, a, a barcode license plate. So that just wow. totally validated everything that Al Cuppet said. Now, if anybody wants to hear the interviews, I got in touch with him. I reached out to Al Cuppet um, and, and, and I did I did a series of interviews with him. I've compiled them together into one file. Uh, I, I believe it's called the Pentagon Confessions Uncut. It's on my YouTube channel. If you just type in Justin Fall Pentagon Confessions, it'll pop up. And we go through some of this information. Uh, but I bring all of that up to say that the United Nations, one of the most satanic organizations in the world. I mean, we're talking, we've heard story after story of not just the craziest ecumenical meetings, but they actually have rituals that have taken place in the United Nations building. They've got rooms where satanic rituals have happened and people have come out to tell about it. Um, it's very likely that that's connected to what you guys are saying about the federal parks having some kind of connection to an opening or a deep underground military uh, infrastructure. It's very possible that that's also connected with the United Nations. And well, then you I, also, go I, ahead, just, I was just, I was going to say, not only that, I mean, you can't even fly drones in any of these national parks, period. That, that's another bizarre thing. And with the technology, I understand why, because they don't want anything that can shoot 4K up there that you can push in on. And you can see things that you wouldn't normally see with the naked eye, as well as all the, the stuff that David Paulides has been doing with the missing 411. Um, even Wes Germer, you know, he does the Sasquatch Chronicles. And I mean, you know, the, the Hoopa Project, all the stuff that these guys are involved in. I mean, it's it all lines up. You see the, the people that are going missing, the missing 411. 11, as well as all these UF, I mean, um, the Bigfoot sightings. And, you know, they say that they, they'll see these things, they encounter them, and that they can just literally disappear. You know, they just vanish right in front of you. Yeah, well, let, on that topic, I'm glad you brought that up. What are your guys' opinions on that idea of these encounters that people are having with Sasquatch and their, them showing tendencies of supernatural capabilities. Uh, I mean, there's people that see these things and they say, they swear up and down, it's physical. And there's other people that say they see these things and they, they're physical, but then they do something that's more supernatural, like they disappear right in front of you. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that there's some kind of interdimensional beings as well, that they can, they can basically enter our reality at will and that they can go back into their own. Or both. It could be both because... Uh, kind of like with the whole gray alien phenomena, um, a higher entity could easily appear as a gray alien. 
uh, I believe the Bible gives us enough information on angels that we could believe that they could shapeshift. Uh, they could take on different forms. And I think that that's what we've seen throughout the cultures of the world with these different manifestations. And, uh, you know, you'll have these things manifesting as one thing and then manifesting as another. I think that's very, very likely. But on the other hand, you have evidence that there were some secret government projects that, that took place in the 80s where they had reverse engineered uh, the human genome and they were able to create these meat puppets. That's, that's you know, for a lack of a better term. But that you've got these biological body suits, the, these gray alien suits that were created in a lab so that they could be inhabited by other spirits or entities or whatever you want to call them. So I would say that just because you see a gray alien entity uh, doesn't mean that it's of the same origin as another one that you might see. Like it could have been a lab creation for part of a demonic agenda or it could have been an actual entity manifesting, taking on that form. I think the same thing could be applicable when we start to consider the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot. Because uh, the late J.C. Johnson was a good friend of mine, uh, had a really good relationship with him. He would he would uh, go out on these expeditions in the Four Corners, <clears throat> excuse me, and he would come back and he would he would text me all these pictures. Like they would have body cameras that would just take photos like every so many seconds, like automatically. And the, uh, he would send me this stuff. It was crazy. And uh, he, he told me he said, you know, Justin, one of the one of the most peculiar things that I've seen uh, in the Four Corners is you'll be tracking footprints of what appears to be a Bigfoot. And then all of a sudden they disappear. Like you're, you're following these footprints and then all of a sudden there are no more footprints and, and the ground isn't, isn't toiled or anything like there's, there was nothing that came in and erased them. They just stop right here. Well, where did it go? You know? And so his theory was, is that they, they jumped somehow they jumped and he also said that he believes that there's uh, the, there's stargates or portals in the Four Corners area. Uh, he said that he has seen and heard other stories of what we would call a pterodactyl. Now, this sounds crazy. I get it. I, I, I totally understand. But he said that uh, some of his guys that would go out on these expeditions is that they would see what they could only describe to be some type of a, a reptilian bird. You know, and, and the closest thing that in our you know vernacular would be a, a pterodactyl. It's like, well, you know, all we could think to call it is a pterodactyl. And of course, you have connections uh, when you start researching the Mothman, and you get into the idea of the Garuda and in Indian uh, lore and mythology, uh, the the Thunderbird when in the Native American tongue. But uh, it's possible that these things are actually uh, physical beings created somewhere to mimic. A spiritual being that's already in existence. Uh, well, that's just. There, a I was just going to say, there's also the uh, the skinwalkers as well. Remember, we've seen the footage of uh, some of the skinwalkers that uh, Marzulli and both uh, the uh, goodness, the late person that you just uh, you've worked with in the past. I can't think of his name. J.C. Johnson. Uh, not J.C. Johnson. The the one that uh, just Doc, uh, Doc, Doc Marquis. Doc Marquis, yeah, because uh, he had uh, similar footage, and we had talked about the skinwalkers. In fact, when we were out shooting the Hollow Earth, we were out on the reservation, and I could tell that that's what Joseph Riverwind was alluding to was the the skinwalker. And I brought it up, and I said, "Oh, the skinwalker!" And yeah, I got. I mean, they stopped immediately and just started praying. They're like, "You can't say that word out here on the reservation." They're like, "You know, the the veil is very thin right here, and uh, if you say that, you're like literally invoking it, and it will come looking for you." And yeah, you, you know, guys, y'all, y'all remember that movie Dumb and Dumber? Everybody seen Dumb yeah. and Dumber with Jim Carrey? <laughs> 
Y'all remember that scene where they're they're in this like country restaurant and he throws the salt shaker and it hits that guy Seabass in the head. Y'all remember that? Yeah. As soon as the salt shaker hits Seabass, like the restaurant's all loud. It's like a party. As soon as it hits Seabass, like you could hear a pin drop in that room. Like everybody got quiet and started looking. Record well, that's scratch. what happened. <clears throat> yeah, record scratch. Like that's what happened. We're we're on the reservation, literally on the reservation property. We're eating at this little country restaurant. It's packed with with the locals, that you know, the, the 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 natives. And as soon as Chad says the word skinwalker, it's like everybody goes dead quiet and like, like crickets. Laura. Yeah, and then like uh, Joseph Joseph Riverwind's wife, uh, Laura Lynn, she like rebukes it out loud and. Apparently, that's a form of superstition that is really heavy over there. That uh, I mean, even even Christian uh, natives they have such a heavy uh, superstition. Uh, maybe superstition is not the right word. I'm not being critical when I say that, but it's a it's almost like a form of superstition where everybody gets quiet and it's like we got to go ahead and close that door that you just opened by saying the name. That's how serious they take these things. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, uh, I know the the lore of. Uh of the skinwalker with the native Americans is something that's very deep for them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just find that that's somebody I actually should have on my show. Jo- uh, Chief Joseph, w- um, Riverwind, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, again, I always like to point back to the scriptures. Does the scriptures show us anything, anything near or remotely like that? Yeah. Philip, right after he had baptized the eunuch, he was removed instantly from one place, 32 miles away to another city instantly boom like that so teleportation is a reality you know i mean i sometimes people want to keep everything simple and say oh well that was just a miracle from god okay but god is a god of order and structure he created physics there's a certain way everything is done doesn't take away god's power it just explains how things are done you don't get something from nothing god created structure so we're beginning at the, either the height or the decline of our society, we're beginning to understand all these mechanics. So do we, as a faithful child of God, do we stand in awe? And, wow, God, that's cool that you were able to put all this together. Or do we act like Satan and say, huh, that's no big deal. If he can do it, we can do it. So we don't need you. And, and that's, you know, ultimately, that's where a lot of the technology and stuff comes down to. It's not magic. It's even some of the ritualistic things that are being done that the Nazis even did. Again, it goes back to sound and vibration. You know, um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Jonathan Gray. I don't think so. I kind of consider him a friend of mine. Jonathan Gray worked with uh, Ron Wyatt. Okay. In in archaeology. Actually, uh, Jonathan set out originally to debunk Ron Wyatt, ended up working for him, with him, together on many different projects. I've had him on my show quite when I, back when I had a show, I, I had him on quite often. And so we became, you know, a, a friendship developed from that. And uh, he's given me testimony to a time when he was in a, a lab, government lab, and they were working on one thing. Somebody was working on something else uh had to do with sound and vibration and everything. They had one of the crystal skulls there, and all of a sudden, what they were doing in the other room activated the skull, and it projected a holographic projection of a world before the flood, showing showing amazing things. People in suits just somewhat similar to what we have now. Um, vehicles that were like cars, but they weren't cars. Just a lot of crazy stuff. Now, 
I thought, okay, you know, you're a pretty lucid guy and you're not crazy, but that sure sounds crazy. Two years later, a guy calls me up and I can't give any information on him, but he works with a very high profile person, uh, not a Christian, in the same kind of research. Must have been in the same building, the same time, the same place, gave me the exact identical story and totally un- unrelated. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 20 some years. I used to say back back when I first started, I didn't have anything other than, you know, the word of God. But um, and, and I still value that the most. But I've made connections um, and I'm not going to say too much more. And I've made connections so that if martial law comes, I'm going to know hours before it happens. I'm right into the very depths of places that I never thought I would have the ability to to have feelers or or reaching out. There's Christians. God scatters us like salt and light. And there's Christians in some of the darkest places in the world. People can point and say, oh, that's wrong. No, God put him there. And it's his safety net. God works in the supernatural, but he uses people too. And he's got a safety net of people that are coming more and more aware of one another and working in unity to help keep us all safe. And so I know people in places that are just it's mind-blowing, some of the things that are being done um, and technologies. There's a research now um, going on in, in Haiti and some of the areas there. They're looking for evidence, radioactive evidence of dark matter associated with hybrids. That's all the more I can say about it. I mean, I saw that on a Marvel uh, program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Jim, I don't know. I don't know if it was you, Jim. Uh, I think I think it was you, Jim. That we we had a conversation on the fourth watch a few years back, and goodness, our our conversations on there it's a, it's a mind melt for the average person. Yes, but um, we we got into uh, frequencies, and you know, just because the new age is is attached to something doesn't mean it has satanic origins. And, and I think it's very it's like yes. the rainbow. God created it for good. Satan tried to pervert it. Um, the rainbow will always be ours. It will never be the homosexuals. Amen. I want to be. I want, I want to go on record and say that that's not a hateful statement. Uh, that that's literally it's a mockery for someone who is so anti God to try to steal yep. something he gave for a covenant sign. Um, but regardless, frequencies are not new age. That's something they've tried to steal. Um, yep. I, look, it, it, and I'll even take a step further. Uh, I said I had a show where we were talking about crystals. Now I, I, we weren't like talking about different crystals and their energy, but I was making the point that God created crystals, and just because a new ager wants to take it and they want to try to charge it up and do whatever it is they do, um, God created those things for a purpose. And there's a lot of natural energy and natural frequencies uh, in God's divine creation that the new age is trying to give credence to Mother Earth, and they're trying to say, "Well, Mother Earth created this for us," um, and you know they're going to have their day in court. But the bottom line is, is this. Frequencies are very real. Uh, there are countless stories of people, uh, of doctors, who uh, they have done testing and they have recommended certain types of alternative therapy for people involving frequencies and light frequencies, frequencies that can come from different light sources. And uh, I don't remember if, if Jim said this or not. Uh, I thought Jim mentioned something about um, there's places in the earth. Uh, almost like a frequency resonation chamber where if somebody spent some time down there, they could be completely set set right and healed from whatever it is they're dealing with. Am, am I, was that you, Jim, that mentioned that? I don't think so, but I'm aware of like the, um, um, oh, what do they call that? The, it's in New Mexico, um, up in the mountains. I can't think of the darn name of the place. They call it the tone. Some people can hear this um, 
you know, this vibratory tone. Now we've got one right here in the Detroit metro area, actually coming from Zug Island of all things, and Canada's all upset about it. Um, they hear this this sound or this tone. The Teo, that's it, the uh, Teos, Teos, uh, New Mexico, the Teos hum. Um, and there's many other places, and, and some of us have seen the videos or heard uh, these, like, huge drone-like um, sounds coming from the, it almost like, some of them come from the sky, but some of them you can almost feel inside of you, and it feels like it's coming from underneath in the ground or something. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, you know, the, the technology, like, the, the modern technology, they're, they're able to create devices that yeah. are you know, broadcasting these frequencies, these good frequencies, like uh, just one example of that would be red light therapy. Uh, NASA and other groups uh, have been using red light therapy and testing it for so many years, so much so that the FDA finally had to say, you know what, this is this is an official science that works. It's proven to heal, uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, like the red light therapy, you've got these two different frequencies that are being, um, you know, cast off of these lights. And those frequencies penetrate into the bloodstream. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of really good information out there about this stuff. And, and I can't remember the, the origin point, but I remember somebody telling me that there's places in the earth, cavernous places, uh, where there's natural occurring frequencies that are supposed to have some amazing healing uh, capabilities. And, and again, um, if we were not such a technology-driven culture, with all of the, these cancer creating devices around us, uh, there wouldn't be such a need for all this healing. You know, I, America is a cancer uh, infestation. Uh, other countries of the world don't even have what we have here. Like they don't have the same medical problems. They don't have the same diagnoses as, as we have here. And so I only mention that. Uh, that's just kind of a side note, but. Uh, evidence is showing that frequencies, uh, various types of frequencies can penetrate deep and they can heal you of different, different things. And, uh, again, if something that God created for good, uh, just because the new age is going to use it, doesn't mean that it's evil. You know, the Mythbusters tried to debunk, uh, Nikola Tesla's earthquake machine. And, uh, so they ran a program, they made a little battery powered thing and hooked it up to a bridge. And, uh, they thought they had done it, but then they realized that they didn't have the frequency exact as Tesla's notes indicated. They were off a little bit. So they readjusted, set it exactly the way Nikola Tesla's notes said. And guess what? That battery-operated thing, they said if they would have had more power, they could have shook that uh, bridge. Um, you know, we saw one bridge shake apart. It's an old black-and-white movie clip from back in the 40s. The wind had made the right pitch sound where it brought the whole bridge down but it was basically just the sound pitch that did it so sound can play an important um rule or law or scientific fact uh some of the ancient myths and legends in tiwanaku bolivia uh, the gateway to the sun where these huge blocks were put in together um the conquistadors said that the um the natives told them that they were floated into place by a magic trumpet again sound um you know it it there's a science that is we're just beginning to recapture or re-understand that has been around it's ageless and unfortunately um like you like you said it's things that satan has robbed and made something into something else the ephod 
which is what every Levitical priest wore, contains 12 gemstones. In those 12 gemstones, called, the ephod is called the plate of judgment or the tablet of judgment, what judgment? In Ezekiel 38 chapter, nine of those same 10 stones were given to Satan. Nine of them. Three of them that were, were eliminated, their meaning translated from, from the tribe that each one of them represented, their meaning in the Hebrew reads out a story. And it is not coincidence. It literally is a key to understanding certain gemstones would have certain resonance, certain vibrations that meant something of a bigger picture of this judgment. Now, in context, in Ezekiel 38 chapter, these nine stones that Satan was given were used as, now going back to the Hebrew there, they were used as construction elements to form an intertwining fence. That's the electromagnetic grid that's around the earth that was once used to protect the earth, now enslaves the earth. And that enslavement binds us into a linear time of existence. I know I'm getting off on a little bunny trail, but I just want to show the significance of knowing these things. Now, in the uh, Buddhist belief system, they have what they call uh, Mandela's, Mandela wheels. It looks like somebody that grabbed a spirograph and just got on speed or steroids and just went crazy, you know, and did all these crazy uh, patterns. Now, in their religious beliefs, each one of those patterns is associated with a, town, uh, a tone or a sound and a color. It's crazy stuff. You can't make this stuff up. When you look at the specific sound, and then put it on, let's say, put sand on a, a piece of tin and hook it up to a speaker where you can make that sound. It causes a fluctuation, a three-dimensional. When you put it in a 3D, it actually causes a wave pattern that this sound makes. When you match it up the right way, you have just got one element to a syntax for a sonic language that can speak out or dial in and dial out something. This is the key to everything we're talking about. How does something blink in and blink out? You don't have to punch a hole in space. You don't have to get dark, dark matter. You can get the right sound and the right pitch and use it in a combination and you're dialing something in and creating a portal. You always blow my mind, Jim. Um, you just reminded me of something. Uh, actually, Justin uh, and Chad and I were talking about this the other day with the frequencies. And I, I don't remember the document's name, but it was some, some years ago. I... I came across, across this document and it kind of paralleled with what MK ultra was doing and, and different things, but they basically had this machine and they set it on a certain frequency and they could dial into a, a, a human being, um, individual, or they could do it over a, a large, uh, scale, uh, mass of people. And depending upon the frequency, they could make the person feel like their skin was on fire. If they turned it to a different frequency, they could make the person's heart stop. And I mean, on down the line, but, um, there's a, yeah, there's definitely something to that. I don't know why I was just thinking that. Well, you know, the first Gulf war that we had, if you remember back when, during that time, you remember that our army tanks went up to the bunkers of these hardcore Iranian soldiers. Now these were the same guys. These were like crack troops. These guys, they were, they were fearless and heartless. They took, they took, um, I'm sorry, Iraqi. They took the dead Iranian soldiers 
They couldn't get through this one swamp area. So they literally built a bridge by, by, um, by layering them crisscross with each other and made a bridge of dead bodies to get their tanks to go through the marsh so they could uh, go kill some more Iranians. These guys were hardcore. They're in this bunker. Our army tanks come up and we start blasting loudspeakers with rock and roll music. And all of a sudden, they come out begging for forgiveness, begging, terrified to death, and coming out in the hundreds, even thousands, and surrendering and kissing the feet of the Allied soldiers. What made them do that? It wasn't rock and roll. It wasn't psychological warfare. That music was a carrier wave for part of Project Bluebeam's technology, where they literally, that beam would go right in and alter the genetic makeup pattern in the person's brain to create fear, not just an image of fear, literally launch off fear. They dreaded and they couldn't wait to be captured because they were in such horrible fear. This kind of stuff is not science fiction anymore. It's real. In the Gulf, I've heard several testimonies of people that um, uh, had said that they're using this weapon now so that they don't have to jeopardize in the Gulf. They don't have to jeopardize our own boats. If a ship starts coming into areas that we're protecting, they send blue beam out and talk to a person that's on the ship and saying, your heading is this, this, and this. We want you to go over to here. Don't be afraid. We're using technology. We're talking to you. This is the USS Eldridge. We're at uh, such and such location. Uh, verified on your um, on your radar. Um, stop right now and move to this new location. And don't proceed any further or we will fire upon you. And so they use this technology all the time in the Gulf. Um, we have stuff that's so far ahead that isn't well known and it is being protected. Um, I think some of it is, is being kept from us because it's going to be used to stage a fake alien cosmic Christ appearance. Right. And right. it's just going to dazzle and amaze everybody. So with the idea that we have all this stuff going on, I think it's important to say that, you know, all the things that you guys were talking about, uh, if you want to, like, we came here to talk about hollow earth. If you want to understand everything that goes into hollow earth, it seems like there are other things you need to understand along with it in order to really, yeah, they're interconnected. Yeah. So does that make sense? Oh yeah. yeah. Even, even space time inside the hollow earth compared to the, on a surface, totally different concept of time. This is confirmed by myths and legends and witnesses. Um, what was that? Olaf Johansson, um, who, who he and his son actually went into the uh, opening in the North Pole. Um, they wrote their memoirs. I think a book was made called The uh, Smoky God. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't taken. I mean, it wasn't just some light sci-fi reading or anything. Uh, the Nazis took it as almost biblical and, and uh, took it to heart and retraced all of their their travels and everything but it was interesting that they said that when they were in there they felt they were only in there for a couple of weeks and it come to find out that uh they were there for over a decade so space and time was a little bit different my thought is that um it's quite different and the longer you stay there the the ratio uh kind of accelerates or speeds up so that um Hey, you're, t you're talking about time dilation. When we went and met up with uh, Stan Deo for the, the new film that we're working on, he actually got into some of the time dilation and started breaking that down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this isn't, you know, this isn't like something new. This is, uh, 
this is consistent with myth, legends, history, um, and experience. So, and now a cutting edge technology that we're just beginning to understand. So if Hitler actually, you know, didn't die and he, he retreated to, let's just say, um, Antarctica found entrance to hollow earth. If he made it that far, could it be possible that he, with a time difference of inner earth, be still living? Well, I, I have to first say that I believe April 30th, 1945, according to the scriptures, he committed suicide as a sacrifice on Vespalgosnot. The only reason he married Eva Braun was he was following a very specific recipe for resurrection. Now, mm-hmm. I do believe that he was seen in Argentina afterwards. Um, he died, but he resurrected because I think he's going to be the firstborn of his kind through science, forbidden science and technology as Christ was on his day, that very same day that he was supposed to have killed himself was also Good Friday. What are the chances that those two days would be on the same time? Everything is screaming death and resurrection on that night. And so he would be the counterpart to a death and resurrection to be the firstborn of his kind. So I'm saying that that, you know, I don't have a problem with the fact is, you know what, we're still dealing with the guy. Read Mein Kampf if you don't believe me. All <laughs> the strategies that are going on right now, I I read it in Mein Kampf. It's there. It's being used against us right now. So, yeah, we're still dealing with him. And, yeah, he's still very much alive. I say he's come back. A dead man comes back to life. Um, and how do you circumvent that when it says the wages of sin and death and the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Well, he didn't get no gift. But you know what? He's the man of sin. He is the guy that is going to be uh, not obeying the rules. He'll find a way to circumvent him. So, and he did. It's of course it's a cheap imitation, uh, and that's all that Satan can ever do is make a cheap imitation. It's not real; it's semi-virtual, and that, just like the three gemstones that were left out. If you don't have the full recipe, you can get close, but close isn't good enough. And the three the three gemstones that were left out; those three gemstones meant to be a servant, to bring light, and to overcome. Guess what three things Satan is forbidden to have? He's never going to be a servant. He's never going to overcome. He doesn't bring light. He brings death and darkness. I think that was not by choice or or chance. This is part of God's design. He's in control, will always be in control. No weapon formed against us. I don't care whether it's Monsanto, whether it's chemtrails. All these things are interwoven to one story. The hollow earth is the key a very key important part of how the fit in the physical realm even of how all of this melts together something in the end times is coming from inside to the outside we better know who what where and eventually when to be able to identify and and with that note what is down there i mean we're talking about hollow earth uh we've mentioned lizard people uh people talk about the nephilim retreating to hollow earth uh people talk about you know alien entities uh, i've heard people talk about sasquatch living in in deep caves you know aka hollow earth uh what do you guys think is there right now just as we have diversity of life on the surface we have diversity of life down beneath now um there's i think it's camelot um Gia, Gia is another one. Gia is the new age name for Earth Mother. Um, they have a lot of videos out. Oh, by the way, I 
the other best way to contact me and my stuff, I got 134 videos posted on YouTube under my name. I forgot to mention that. (laughs) I didn't write a second book or any other books because the younger generation doesn't read books. So I make little short videos that those are watched bigger than a book would. Uh, But in one of my videos, I, I, I do cover this whole concept, but it's important to understand the earth is hollow because something from inside is coming out to raise hell on earth. So we just, we need to know what that is. And then we need to know how all these other elements are interconnected to it. Because it's one story of paradise lost and regain. But before the regain of the real one, we're going to have a fake everything in front of us. Fake rapture, fake this, fake, you know, everything that God did, Satan's going to imitate and kind of go ahead of time or whatever. The 39th chapter of Job describes Leviathan. Now, we've always thought of it as being a mythical Beanie and Cecil serpent or something like that, or a whale. Or, there's all kinds of different ideas on it. But, you know, the Bible interprets itself by itself. The last verse in that chapter, it describes Leviathan, and it says, And he is the father of the children of pride. Who's the father of the children of pride? Not a trick question. Satan. Exactly. We're not talking about a sea serpent. We're not talking about a hippo. We're not talking about a dinosaur. We're talking about Satan. So when you realize, okay, Satan, is this is this a noun or is it, you know, is it a first person singular noun or is it a collective? It's a collective. Satan, the entire embodiment, human, non-human, corporal, incorporal, everything in his kingdom. That's what we're talking about. So when we look at that, we go back to verse one and re-examine in the original Hebrew all descriptions. When it talks about the teeth, uh, the face, uh, the teeth of his face, and open, it's just the translation is just ridiculous. You go back and you look at all the different variables for it, and it's like, oh my God, <clears throat> they're not talking about teeth. They're talking about a fortress of defense surrounded by ivory walls. What can that be? The Antarctic. This ostrich that, you know, is, you know, everything there gives a completely different story. There is detailed reports of the melting ice, the army of idols that is hidden beneath waiting to come up. It's all there if you look at it from that perspective. But when we have, you know, not saying that they were horribly wrong, they were trying to be, um, I guess, Respecting the scriptures the best they could, so using the most general terms so as to not misinterpret, but the understanding of the translators back in those days did not have the information that we have now. God is unlocking these things now because we need to know them. We didn't need to know them before. So, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say real short, man, it it houses, the the whole earth houses a conglomeration of things that are going to cause, that are going to cause men's heart to fail them. When they come upon the earth, when you say men's heart to fail them, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, the I always go back to this. We've we've discussed in um, in previous talks that the Bible has been desupernaturalized, and yes. the majority of people um, in the in your modern church today um, they don't they don't have an understanding of what the Bible truly is yeah. because they don't see past that. They the, it's been turned into a bedtime story. It's been put on the, the mm-hmm. bookshelf um, on the same uh, parallel as, uh, as, as myths and legends. And so when these things actually start to happen and take place, as the word says that it will, 
man's not going to know what to do, man. They're going to, they're going to want to, you know, run and hide. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, the Bible has become something that isn't looked at as a supernatural book and the things within it then are no longer supernatural as well. And, uh, that's, right. that's why when we talk about these things from a Christian perspective, uh, we're the, we're the loony guys because <laughs> the masses have been taught to not view the Bible the way we view it. I mean, when you, when you look at, um, uh, I think it's in John somewhere where, uh, Jesus was talking about, uh, he said that I am to the Pharisees and the Pharisees picked up the crowd picked up the stones to stone him. And then it's just said that Jesus hid himself. Uh, (laughs) It's it's like people just read that and they read right over it. And they're just like, oh, Jesus ran away. So Jesus, Jesus, a physical man right there, then just ran away from a bunch of stones. Or did he hide himself? Like it says, you know, are we we talking about interdimensional uh, things going on here? You know, him being God. Uh, And so I absolutely agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I just want to make a point. Uh, That's actually prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, If you go over to the book of Luke, uh, Luke 21, 26, it says men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So, I mean, th- this is this is a prophetic passage right here, the things that are going to be coming on the earth. Uh, and where are they going to be coming from? <laughs> yeah, the, Lord has, the, the Lord has it prepared. You know, we're all about time. He's about timing. And the Lord has that set aside for a certain period of time. And, um, and it's going to be unleashed. You know, that scripture in Luke, uh, where the powers are shaken... Uh, dunamis, it's supernatural powers. The word shaken there is interesting because it doesn't mean a celestial earthquake or anything. Shaken means can it can mean something that's shook it up, but it can also mean a displacement. Hmm. And when you understand that, it gives a whole new meaning to that. Something is being displaced from a safe and secure place in the heavens. In other words, the understanding of physics, technology, of the heavens is being displaced into an unstable world down here. We begin to know every secret of the angels, and that's why um, in the book of Enoch recorded, that's why there was a global flood, because now man can do anything as they understand everything that the angels can do. That's the displacement that is happening, the powers of heaven being shaken. We are getting godlike qualities where we can custom make an individual human being. When we, I mean, we do a good enough job messing up our own time. But now we can travel past and future and mess up everything. I mean, but God is in control. He's only going to allow a certain amount of stuff to happen. That could be a whole different program and a, another bunny trail completely. But but getting back to how it pertains to the hollow earth is because that's probably one of the biggest kept secrets. Our earth is hollow. It's significant and important. Uh, Christopher Lampert wrote a book called Hollow Earth, Hollow Planets. And he's saying that it's very possible that this is normal part of creation. That there is a hollow earth, there's a huge giant void. Well, how do you go into this hole? Do you just go and fall into the middle? No, you don't even realize it's there. Why? Because there's a central sun, the order of the black sun. There's a central sun. It is so dense, but its gravity is pushing out, where gravity on the outside is pushing in. So there's an equilibrium, a balance, so that you can go through the opening in the North Pole and not even know that you're going anywhere. because you don't fall into a huge void. You're following the concave or convex shape that has been made. You don't even realize all of a sudden, hey, where'd the sun go? It's all kind of 
fuzzy out here. How come it's getting warm? How come it's, oh, wow, it's tropical. It's a whole different thing. So there's a, you know, gravity pushing on the outside towards the earth or gravity pushing away on the inside. It's all in the balance. So you don't even know that you've changed. We've, we've had an axis tilt, a major axis tilt, not too long ago, right in accordance to Isaiah 14th chapter. We didn't fall off or get shook up or, you know, get messed up over that. Um, it was hardly noticeable. If you ever looked at the moon, like I have for the last over 50 some years through a telescope, you notice, hey, wait a minute, it's clock different. Well, the moon isn't clock different. The earth was clock different. L.A. Marzulli and I both in 2011 were looking and he called me up and was all freaked out. He said, man, look at it. It doesn't look right. I said, dude, yeah, you're right, man. It's, it, but it's not the moon. It's us. We're, you know, we're acting like a drunkard wobbling to and fro. And uh, so, you know, things are happening in the natural. They're happening in the spiritual. They're happening um, emotional. Um, and I think that's the thing for Christians that we really need to address. It's one thing to know we're going to go through these things, but are you emotionally prepared for them? Right. That's what we have to be ready for. For anger, frustration, fear to not exist. It doesn't have to exist. It's in control. He said, he said, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And this is the inheritance to them that believe. This is for everybody, all time, everywhere. If we're his, we don't have to be afraid. We are the overcomers. We are the ones to, to bring light. And we're the ones to, to um, what was the three that I said? Oh, now I'm having a senior moment. Sorry, guys. Just <laughs> let the old guy go. He's just, Yoda, just go back in your background. Well, look, I, we, we crossed over something earlier in the show. I think we brushed over it really quickly, and I feel that it probably deserves a quick breakdown. Uh, Tony, you asked us in the very beginning of this, uh, you know, are we dealing with physical experiences, spiritual experiences? Is it, is it you know, extra dimensional? Um, I, I just want to give an illustration here. Um, you can walk into, let's just say a battleship, you know, you can go to different places like Alabama and, and different places and you can visit a battleship that's been, you know, retired. And when you walk through the place, you feel certain things, you know, not everywhere. Some people are going to feel the, the, the death. Some people are going to feel the history. Uh, some people may see what appears to be a ghost. Um, but if you could peer into the spirit realm in that battleship, it's not going to look like that battleship. Matter of fact, if, if you're standing in your living room right now, if you could have some glasses that you put on to allow you to see the, the parallel existence in that very location, but in the other dimension, it would not look like your living room. Um, this, is, this is really important to, to understand. And, and this is getting into a little bit of theory, but it's, I believe this is, this is completely fact. Um, you know, I, I've had demonic manifestations happen to me where I've actually seen a shadow creature appear, uh, right as I was praying, uh, as crazy as that sounds, I've had, I've had some strange experiences, but you can be standing somewhere and somebody else, let's say a psychic, somebody who is, who is part of the occult, they might experience something different in that same location than, than where you're standing. Justin, now, tell, tell them about the, the, uh, demonic lady that you encountered that, uh, teleported. Yeah, so Wes and I, uh, th this is a, a good example, uh, kind of. Uh, Wes and I had stopped by our old church. You know, we, uh, we have a, a background, a Baptist background, uh, more probably, you know, slightly charismatic leaning, but, but not the crazy stuff. 
um, we stopped by the Baptist church to pick up a check. I had been working on a website for the church and I completed the website and they said, well, come on by. We'll, we'll, you know, we got your check cut. Well, I couldn't get there until after hours. Like it was right after they had locked the doors pretty much, but there was, there was a, like the secretary was still there. And so we pull into the parking lot and it's empty and there's an old minivan, uh, parked kind of like on the far side of the parking lot. And there was a lady walking around just kind of paying like she was on drugs or something. And so we went on in uh, to get the paycheck and we came out and I said, Wes, you know, maybe we should go check on that lady, you know, see if she needs help. You know, you know, it's just, she was out of place. So we walked over there and she kind of approached over towards us. And I said, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And she was not very coherent. Like she wasn't making much sense. Like I, I don't even remember what she said because it wasn't making much sense. And uh, I said, you know, we're going to pray for you. And, you know, this was before I really knew a whole lot about what was going on in the spirit realm. Like I was kind of learning about it, but I, I hadn't fully understood, you know, where I am now. I don't fully understand, but I, I mean, like I, I wasn't where I am now. Anyway, um, the dog, she had a, one of the, one of the uh, German shepherds in her car and the dog was going nuts. I mean, he was literally like ripping down the ceiling. And, I mean, like he was devouring the inside of this car, um, like bloody murder and her eyes were white. Like they were, they were milky and gloss with little pieces of red. I mean, it, it, she looked just straight up, like either she'd been up for like three months on crystal meth. I don't know, but it was a very strange situation. And I, and I, and I sensed in my spirit that there was a strong spiritual battle going on. Well, we went to lay hands on her and, and I, you know, nowadays I'm, I'm, I'm a little slower to lay hands on people, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> back then we, we went to lay hands on her. And as soon as we did it, it was like, she's 12 feet away, like on the other side of the parking lot. It was 12 to 15 feet. I mean, she's right there. And, and so like I had my arm on Wes, he had his arm on me. Like we were, we were kind of doing like a circle to where like he would have had his right arm on her. I would have had my left arm on her just to kind of paint the picture. And Wes and I were, you know, we were touching and we went and we put our hands on her to start praying. And it was like, she's gone. She's on the other side of the parking lot. Like literally like for lack of a better word, what the hell just happened? Like whatever this was, was from the pits of hell. And I was cold. Like I felt this cold rush over me. And all I could think about was like, I want to get out of here right now. I'm not equipped for this. I don't know enough about what the Bible says. And this was years ago. This is before we started reading deeply uh, and learning the supernatural matters of scripture. And I'll never forget that. But that's just a side note. Uh, But the the point I was trying to make was that somebody, uh, you know, somebody who's initiating this is important. Someone who was initiated in the mystery schools, you know, they are in communication with spirits. They, they have spirit guides. They've studied the ancient writings. They're seeking out the esoteric knowledge of, of, of the world and the universe. Those are the people who are more likely to have the experiences inside the hollow earth. Okay. They're hungry for it. They've, they've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected the word of God. They are seeking every form of esoteric and hidden supernatural knowledge, uh, the ancient mysteries. Those are the ones who are more likely to have the experience. Um, So if we all got together and we took an expedition, everyone on this panel, we go down to Mount Shasta and we're going to try to get in the mountain. We're going to, you know, we're going to try to go into the hollow earth. Well, and I, I don't want to do that, by the way. But if we did that, chances are we would not have the same experience that someone who's initiated and who has the magic path down to them. They're going to have a different type of 
uh, experience. They're going to have things appear to them. Uh, not to mention, we've got the Holy Spirit. You know, we've got our armor. And so naturally, our experience is going to be different than theirs. And so it's a physical thing. People are actually going down there. They're actually physically going into the earth. Um, but those that are initiated, uh, those are the ones that are going down there looking for things. They're, they're going to go to certain uh, you know, points on the map, certain ley lines, and they're going to try to open a portal. They're going to try to, to get into that other side, uh, just like with the, the legends of Shambhala, that there are certain times a year when that doorway opens. And if you are part of that initiated few or you're brought in by those that are initiated, like the monks down there, the, the uh, I forget the name of the monks that guard the entrance to Shambhala. We, we, we broke this down in the film. Uh, but those were the ones who gave passage to the Nazis. Jim, uh, you know, Jim broke this down in the film that uh, the Nazis were given passage by the monks that guarded the entrance and they took them and, and, and the Nazis, uh, they claimed that they made contact with the entities known as the white brotherhood while they were, uh, in Tibet. So, uh, they were initiated into the occult mystery schools. And they also had the monks that guarded the entrance to Shambhala. They had the monks that allowed them passage. Um, but if someone like us were to just kind of go over there and mosey around and try to get into the hollow earth, uh, you know, it's not like a matter of, um, just falling in a hole and you're now in paradise. But the story that Jim referenced a little while ago with Olaf Janssen, that's a great story. Um, it's, it's, it's very much a historical account. He was not looking, he was not initiated and he had no desire on finding this hidden civilization of giants, but he was open to it. You know, his heart was not set upon the things of God clearly for him to be taken into the civilization and to accept what they were selling. So I really think that we're dealing with matters of the heart and we're also dealing with occult initiation uh, as pertaining to who gets to experience what inside the earth. <clears throat> That's my personal view. Both exist, the physical, the dimensional, and the spiritual, whatever you want to call it. I believe that, that they're both elements of what's taking place inside the hollow earth. But as, as Jim said, as things ramp up, as we approach the end times, this knowledge is going to be more of a household name. These things are being more and more inundated into the minds of children through TV because what, what TV and the media wants to do is they're wanting to create a lust in the hearts of man to replace the God void in their lives. See, people have voids when they, when they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, and they're going to try to fill that void with anything and everything that might give them a temporary fix. And so the media is, is giving these, these unnatural lusts and these desires for things such as being superheroes, for going into the hollow earth, for experiencing entities, for communicating telepathically. Uh, and, and, and all this stuff ties into the alien agenda. I mean, what you can't talk about hollow earth without getting into science, without getting into technology, ancient <clears throat> history, the gods of old, UFOs and alien races. It all connects. And Jim was talking about frequencies and, uh, you know, even like, like a frequency that could burn someone. Uh, we just got done interviewing a former CIA who is now working for FEMA. He's a FEMA agent. We just got done. Wes and I just interviewed him via Skype. Uh, it's going to be a deleted scene. We're not putting it in the film, but he is on record. Uh, we, we cut the video down to about four minutes. We're going to probably just put it up as a YouTube. But he said he was trying to witness to a, a friend of his, a girl who was a new ager. And he was trying to tell her to stop praying to aliens. He said that she was having contact 
that she was communicating with these alien entities and she had moved out to Hawaii. She was in Ohio. She moved out to Hawaii and she was communicating with these aliens on the beach. Like she would pray to them. They would appear. Well, she comes back to Ohio and he says, Hey, let's get together for dinner. So they go out for dinner and he's trying to convince her that this is demonic, that she doesn't need to be doing this. And she said, well, they're here. And he says, what do you mean they're here? She said, they followed us. They're outside. And they got in the car and he was taking her back to her hotel. And he said, sure enough, they were being tracked by UFO a thousand feet up. Now, this guy worked for the CIA. He, he's now with FEMA. He's worked on a nuclear testing. Facility. I mean, the guy has a, he's very much accredited. He was recommended to us by Russ Dizdar. Russ Dizdar said, you need to talk to this guy. He's former CIA. So he told us that he's being tracked by a UFO a thousand feet above his car. He knows what's going on. And then she goes back to Hawaii, right? And he's now being tormented by these alien forces. He said one night he's driving and he said that a high beam energy weapon got blasted into his car from a UFO and his skin felt like it was on fire. He says it was causing his blood to boil Mm -hmm. by a frequency that they were transmitting into his car. Now, look, that sounds crazy. That sounds like Phil Schneider stuff that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But I'm telling you guys, not only is this guy a professing born-again Christian who is very much on the conservative side of things, but he also was working at high levels of, of federal agencies. And he had no reason to make this up. Matter of fact, he wanted to, to vet us before he talked to us because he doesn't want to look like a laughingstock. This guy is very serious. And when you see him on video, he doesn't look like some crazy, he's not out running around at these alien conferences. I mean, we're talking about a guy who works for the federal government, who looks straight-laced businessman, yet he was attacked by an alien weapon, if you want to call it that, for trying to pull this woman out of the New Age movement. You know, you were talking about the replacement, and there is a word being used more and more. Uh, You can't turn a cartoon on, you can't turn, even the news. Um, every all kinds of movies, and if you are not aware of it, start listening for it, and you'll see how many times do you hear that the universe has told us the universe oh, yeah. this, the universe that everything's oh, yeah. the universe. Now, here's what a Christian has to know about their authority in the matter of things. Um, I think in this program, we've all discussed and believed that there are real acts of physics, real science that is sandwiched between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion in the new age movement. You know, stuff that I used to laugh about the hippies back in the sixties, you know, talking about vibrations and stuff like that. Well, there's a reality there. There is a real science there, but even God agrees, you know, he said, why in Amos, he says, why do you seek the stars and not the makers of the, uh, the maker of the stars? So he's realizing, okay, I set, different appointed things in motion and movement in the stars on a broad scale. So Satan takes it, hey, you can find out your future individually. Let me show you how. Well, you know what? That might not be uh, false. There's a big, you know, there's a big cosmic mush of uh, speculations and guesses and stuff like that. But let's suppose that there is a real dynamics that goes all the way down to the individual. It's an act of rebellion if you seek the individual, because there is one man, one meteor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He wants us to be dependent on him, not on the universe. So 
there's many other, you know, same kinds of thoughts. You know, you don't go to your guardian angel and develop a personal relationship with your guardian angel, find out its name or whatever. That's new age garbage. That's, that's part of a deception. You go to the only one source, the son of God and God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. He's the one that sacrificed and allowed, and he wants to be the only one that is the mediator. So here's our promise. We're like Neo, you know, in the Matrix. And once Neo realized he was in a Matrix and all of this was just not really fully real, once you get a, uh, and I've got a video out that actually does present quantum physics without hurting your brain. And the Lord showed me how the two slit experiment is like the two trees in the Garden of Eden. And once you begin to understand some simple mechanics behind that, you realize, oh, wow, we're, we represent the tree of life, which means you first experience death, death to yourself, to have life and life more abundantly. We're like Neo. We can overwrite everything in this unreal world that we live in by the power of God's word and speaking it out. So basically what Jesus is telling Amos in that thing about seeking the uh, why, why do you seek the stars instead of the maker of the stars? He's saying, why go to the middleman? The universe is nothing but a middleman. It's a program I wrote. I am the power source. I am the CPU. So why are you going to the middleman? So all these New Agers and everybody else is getting so enamored with, with uh, the universe told me this. The universe. the universe is what more and more people are seeking to be led by. And to follow whatever the universe dictates. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's called the Akashic Record, a collective consciousness of anything that ever existed has this big cosmic gas uh, awareness of consciousness, kind of like the movie Avatar. So they're going to allow themselves to be dictated and ruled by this universe. Our promise as a child of God is that all power has been given to Jesus, and it is his pleasure to give us all power of the kingdom. So here's the secret that on the authority that we have. I'm not going to take my orders from some middleman. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the universe what it can and what it cannot do because I have that power and authority given to me by my Father in heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can tell the universe no. That is not true. So when the world speaks out to you, you got cancer stage 4 you're going to die. By his stripes, I am healed. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I don't have to die. God has a plan for my life, and when I'm finished it, then I die. Not before then, not any other time. So in the name of Jesus, and then you follow it. We are Neos, man. We can overrule the universe. We don't have to listen to the universe. We tell the universe what it has to listen to, where it can do, and what it cannot do. By the power of God's word. That's pretty cool authority, don't you think? Woo! Love it. <laughs> wow. That's what we got, man. That's what we have, man. It's a child of God. And I think the Lord wants more and more for us to see that and walk in that. Man, it's in the first century church. The disciples went by uh, a town and their shadows casted out demons. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm far away from anything like that. <laughs> and yet the Bible says that was the former reign. Uh, I mean, the, the, the first rain, the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Mm -hmm. We're going to do more than that. We're the ones that are going to be poofing in and out. You want to use portals? We're going to do it. We're going to fly. I mean, there's no restriction, no limit to what we are going to do. If we simply believe that God has given us that authority, we tell the universe what to do, not 
not the reverse. You know, Amen. a lot of the things that you're talking about, Jim, and, and all the guys really, uh, it, we see a lot of it in movies like the matrix. Uh, one of the most recent things coming out is on Netflix, the, uh, the, the show stranger things and the upside down, mm, uh, and yeah. the inner world that's presented in another dimension. And, uh, it, it just, it really, for somebody like me, uh, it makes me wonder if that is some kind of disclosure that's coming along to prepare people that it, that it's not such a foreign idea that, you know, even though you, you, you see the, the show and you're like, oh, that's fake. If it were to happen in real life, the, the inner part of you, like the, your subliminal mind would say, I've seen that somewhere. You know, what I mean? predictive programming. it's familiar. Yeah, predictive programming. You know, three weeks ago, I led a young boy to the Lord uh, through Marvel Flash. Flash helped me turn really? the light bulb in his mind. And he understood the gospel from from the perspective. Remember what I don't know if, uh, if any of you do. You, all of you watch any of the Marvel or DC? Oh, yeah, I watched. Oh yeah, that. yeah. Okay, remember remember when Flash went back to try to save his parents? Yeah. And then when he went back to the real his the timeline had altered because now his parents were alive. But look at the mess that happened. Mm-hmm. It just turned everything horrible. So this this young kid, he was well informed on. Gosh, whether he knew it or not, I mean, he even understood concepts of quantum physics because that's the programming that is being given now. If you watch any of these things, you already know about quantum physics, whether you even know anything about the word or terminology, you understand the concepts. Theosophy, the same thing. You understand the concepts because you play role playing games, um, any kind of games connected with Elon Musk, you definitely are being programmed. So all of this is conditioning for the kids. The kids get it. That's why I study all these things and watch all these things so I can be able to present the gospel in a way that they can get it. So I told the kid, he, the kid told me, he says, well, my daddy was a Christian, mom's Christian, and I just want to know why he had to die. He just died two days ago, and I'm just having a hard time with all of it. I just, I don't understand why. If God is a loving God, why did he let my dad die? And I said, well, it probably was your t- dad's time to go. And that's when I said, remember when remember when Flash went back to try to save his parents? Remember what happened there? So, you know, in the Bible, the same thing happened. King Hezekiah wanted to live beyond his days. And he did, and he had a baby, and this baby's name was Manasseh. And Manasseh was a bad dude. He created all these Ittites and Heights and all these other things that were just horrible. They were people that should have never been. And because they were, now they're people that hate God and hate his people. And he allowed that story to happen so that we could see and appreciate that God knows how to run heaven and earth better than we do. And so when your time is up, you need to gracefully just accept that and, and go with it. Whether it's somebody you love or not, you'll see him again. I said, you're, thank God your, your dad was a Christian. He loved Jesus and, and he's in heaven. I said, are you a Christian? He says, no, I don't think so. So I said, well, just what I say makes sense. Do you understand it? He says, yeah, I really do. Thank you. And, and I said, well, you know, you can accept him into your heart right now. And so I gave him the whole gospel. And he says, you know, he says, I really got to think about this first. And I said, you know, God bless you. I'm glad you are. Because it's not just a magic formula. It has to be a condition of your heart. And I said, and I got to believe that your mom and dad were Christians. And they left and, and taught you about Jesus. But you're always going to be on the outside looking in until you invite them into your heart. And when you do, everything's going to make sense. It's that leap of faith. Nothing is going to make sense until you do that. Now you know how to do it. So when the time is right, you're going to know it. 
you'll do it. He left with a big smile, man. I just felt so good. Who can believe that you could lead someone to Jesus through the flash? That's awesome. <laughs> but, but man, this is this is this is where we're at. And we got to be all things to all people so that we can win more for Christ's sake without compromising. And yet there's always the sour pusses that are going to be there. You know, why did you have this guy in your program? He's a, you know, a rotten egg. Well, we need other people to know too. And in a nice way, I'm being harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. We need to talk about these things. Don't hide it under a pillow. I mean, you know, you don't put the candlelight under, you know, in darkness. I mean, you hide it. Don't hide it. Let's bring it out. Let's not be afraid to talk about anything. God has right. an answer for it. You said it, man. I think that's why this this topic and others like it are so important and so vital that we um, that we give that biblical understanding about it because the world has an answer. They're they're very quick to answer, and we need it's it's a uh, it's a great uh, responsibility, but it's also um, an incredible responsibility to to be able to give that biblical insight to what God's word says about it. Amen. Yeah. Well, guys. Uh, I want to kind of start winding it down here, and uh, I, I want to ask one more question here before we wrap it up, and that's, what do you think, where do you think things are going now? I mean, uh, I mean, you guys are familiar with a lot of people out there that are, you know, projecting certain things, and one thing that I always hear is the 2030s. People say 2030, 2035, in the 2030s, something's going to happen, and, and I've heard that from uh, secularists, uh, Christians. It seems like a lot of people are, are projecting the 2030s, which is, you know, let's just say 10 years away. Uh, so over the next 10 to 20 years, where do you see a lot of things going with, you know, what we talked about today? Do you think there's going to be uh, a whole other world that we're living in from now? Or do you think it's there's going to be something that happens in between now and then that, you know, negates what we're just talking about? Is God returning be- before then? What are your thoughts on anything? Well, I'll go. Um, I- I've thought that uh, I felt since I was about 12 years old that in my lifetime, I would see the return of, of Christ. Um, and as the days progress, I think that we're getting closer and closer. Now, I'm not a date setter, and he is long-suffering, praise God. Um, so that could be in our lifetime. It could be, you know, before we die. Um, but, um, I just, I think that, um, if you look at what the world is saying, I mean, you've got the 2045 initiative and they've got plans to try to defeat or try to, uh, to circumvent the cross there. There's different things that man has tried to to do. Um, I personally think that, that God's going to intervene before it gets to that point. I think that he's going to basically get up. To, it's we're we're already uh, approaching how things were before the flood, you know, um, the the evil and the the genetics uh, engineering and you name it. Um, so we're already seeing an approach to that. I'm I'm just I don't know, man. I'm looking at the world today and I don't recognize it. It's not the same one that it was when we uh, when we were growing up. So um, I could see um, I could see the Lord coming back in the next you know ten years. I could see him coming back in the next uh, 50 or even after we go, the the one thing that doesn't change is that regardless of when that happens, uh, we all still have the same calling and the same purpose and we have to live ready and we have to continue to do the job that we're called to do and hold one another accountable, uh, stay in the word, um, stay spiritually ready. If, if, if we're not spiritually ready, we're done. We're toast. Um, we could have all the food and the, the ammo and everything saved up, um, but it's going to be nothing if we're, if we're not spiritually prepared. Amen. 
Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. I, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes dealing with what I do and, and looking into a lot of different topics and hearing people from all different aspects of life, it's something that I've, I've really caught on to is that it seems like that's a very common theme that the 2030s and it along those lines, it just makes me wonder, you know, uh, is is God showing a sign? I don't know. I'm not a date setter either. Uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I really don't, I really don't care when God comes back because it's out of my control. And, uh, you know, whether it's by death or rapture, I, I, it, it's going to happen one day. So <laughs> I don't really worry about it, but, uh, I want to thank you guys for being here. And, uh, before we get out of here, just real quick for you guys, we, we just recorded for over two hours. Just remind the audience where they can find your stuff. Uh, Jim Wilhelmson, why don't we start with you? Uh, Facebook, uh, no, Facebook for uh, updates, um, current information. My website has some of the basic information, but I don't visit it too much. I need to revamp the whole thing. And when I get time, maybe. But uh, And the thing that I forgot, I got 134 videos posted on YouTube under my name. Um, I cover everything from quantum physics to, you know, spiritual warfare on that level and, and all the latest, greatest new stuff about the Antarctic and everything uh, there. So that would be that would be the best place to get uh, current information. Um, I do. Uh, I, I also like you guys. I don't agree uh, with uh, date setting. I think we have to allow God to run his affairs there's nothing we're going to change by in any way i think the one thing we all have to understand is that i don't think any one person or any of us are going to know uh the specific date and hour or time it's not going to take us by surprise we can watch and pray and be aware but um we're told to occupy until he comes in the in the greek there occupy means to continue on your everyday mundane life so I'm not going to tell my grandkids, oh, Jesus is coming back or we're at the end of time, so don't bother with school. It doesn't matter. No, keep studying. The more you learn, the more you earn. That goes on for all of eternity, not just for uh, here on earth, but for all of eternity. So learn as much as you can. Do as much as you can. Um, we do what is right because it's the right thing to do, not because of our assumed outcomes or whatever. That's true character. That's true godly nature. We do what's right because it's the right thing to do. We don't whine, all the all, all the machines are rigged, all this is uh, rigged, all this is my vote doesn't count, or um, you know, I, if I do this, nothing's going to happen anyway. That's not your job. Do it because it's the right thing. Let God take care of the rest. If he so chooses to, to intervene, he's going to do it through people, not by magic, he's going to try to work through people. But if people aren't obeying and doing what's right today, how is he going to change tomorrow? We got our part and our responsibility in everything that we uh, do. So if we do that, but but personally, I think God is going to cause a reset. This world is getting out of kilter. Part of it has got a lot to do with CERN. CERN's playing around, laminating, I literally believe, laminating like a lobster getting in a pot of water. It seems to be every September when the Earth does go through a shift, and it seems like September seems to be when all of a sudden we wake up and everybody has accepted same-sex relations as normal. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, if you out, uh, speak out against it, you're, um, you're a hater. Um, one time we after September, we woke up, and all of a sudden now the fashion thing is to do, if you get mad or upset, doesn't matter for what reason, go into a place, public place and start whacking everybody. It's just the thing to do. Um, that never happened before. Overnight, it just seemed to change. So slowly, we're having layers of hell on earth, the tribulation. We're already in that part, I think. Even then, you know, we run on too much assumptions. Seven years tribulation. Do you know in the Greek that's seven units? 
usually associated with seven years, but it could be 70 years. We don't know to be true to the scriptures. We don't know. And I think God left it that way because our dependency has to be on him, not on assumed events. Because we put it on events, then all of a sudden our dependency isn't on him. He wants us to be dependent on him. Let him worry about that part. Uh, and I like the way you said that, Tony. That, you know, it's, it's not our job. Just do what's right. And tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Because we're not going to do anything about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of how like I look at death. Uh, I, I don't fear death. I mean, I fear about, you know, maybe how it's going to happen. Is it going to be a slow, painful cancer or uh, a bullet to the head? I, but I, I don't fear the, the aspect of dying because it, there's nothing I can do about it. And I, I know it's going to happen on the other side. So it takes the fear out of it. Um, but go ahead, Chad. Where, where can people find your stuff? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com forward slash chad.riley.12. And you can also find me on uh, Spreaker, iTunes, all the different podcast websites, uh, Deception Detection Radio with K Carswell and Chad Riley. And then they can also uh, go over to Fourth Watch Films. That's F O U R T H W A T C H F I L M S dot com. Thank you very much. And Fall Brothers, where can people find you guys and your content? I know uh, in the beginning we were talking about, basically throughout the show, uh, The Hollow Earth Chronicles, which is a film you guys came out with. Uh, Where can people find that? Uh, Fourthwatchfilms.com, what Chad just said, or you can type in Fall Bros, F-A-U-L-L-B-R-O-S.com. It's the same website as Fourth Watch Films. Uh, definitely recommend people check that out. And then if people are looking for our podcast archives, you, you can head over to fourth watch radio, all spelled out fourthwatchradio.com. Uh, we have apps for Apple and Android. You can just Google, uh, do a, a search on your app store for Justin Ball or fourth watch. Uh, but we do have a new movie, uh, on the horizon right now, higher entities, and it is nearing completion. We're really excited to get that released. Admiral Richard E. Byrd's diary, February, March, 1947. The land beyond the poles. The exploration flight over the North Pole. The inner Earth. My secret diary. I must write this diary in secrecy and obscurity. It concerns my Arctic flight of the 19th day of February in the year of 1947. There comes a time when the rationality of men must fade into insignificance and one must accept the inevitability of the truth. I am not at liberty to disclose the following documentation at this writing. Perhaps it shall never see the light of public scrutiny. But I must do my duty and record here for all to read one day. In a world of greed and exploitation of certain of mankind, one can no longer suppress that which is truth. Flight Log, Base Camp Arctic. February 19th, 1947. 0600 hours. All preparations are complete for our flight northward, and we are airborne with full fuel tanks at 0610 hours. 0910 hours. Vast ice and snow below. 0915 hours. In the distance is what appears to be mountains. 1000 hours. We are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best it can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with a small river or stream running through the center portion. There should be no green valley below. Something is definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. To the port side are great forests growing on the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. 
10.05 hours. I alter altitude to 1,400 feet and execute a sharp left turn to better examine the valley below. It is green with either moss or a type of tight-knit grass. The light here seems different. I cannot see the sun anymore. We make another left turn and we spot what seems to be a large animal of some kind below us. It appears to be an elephant. No, it looks more like a mammoth. This is incredible, yet there it is. Decrease altitude to 1,000 feet and take binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed it is definitely a mammoth-like animal. Report this to base camp. 10.30 hours. The external temperature indicator reads 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Continuing on our heading now. Navigation instruments seem normal now. I am puzzled over their actions. Attempt to contact base camp. Radio is not functioning. 11.30 hours. Countryside below is more level and normal, if I may use that word. Ahead we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. My God, off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside. They are disc-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They're close enough now to see the markings on them. It is a type of swastika. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I tug at the controls again. They will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some type. 11.35 hours. Our radio crackles and a voice comes through in English with what perhaps is a slight Nordic or Germanic accent. The message is, Welcome, Admiral, to our domain. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. You're in good hands. I note the engines of our plane have stopped running. The aircraft is under some strange control and is now turning itself. The controls are useless. 11.40 hours. Another radio message received. We begin the landing process now, and in moments the plane shudders slightly and begins a descent as though caught in some great unseen elevator. The downward motion is negligible, and we touch down with only a slight jolt. 11.45 hours. I am making a hasty last entry in the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large shimmering city, pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what's going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. End log. From this point, I write all the following events here from memory. It defies the imagination it would seem all but madness if it had not happened. The radio man and I are taken from the aircraft and we are received in a most cordial manner. We were then boarded on a small platform-like conveyance with no wheels. It moves us toward the glowing city with great swiftness. As we approach, the city seems to be made of a crystal material. Soon, we arrive at a large building that is a type I have never seen before. It appears to be right out of the design board of Frank Lloyd Wright, or perhaps more correctly, out of a Buck Rogers setting. We are given some type of warm beverage which tasted like nothing I have ever savored before. It is delicious. After about 10 minutes, two of our wondrous appearing hosts come to our quarters and announce that I am to accompany them. I have no choice but to comply. I leave my radio man behind and we walk a short distance and enter into what seems to be an elevator. We descend downward for some moments, and the machine stops. 
and the door lifts silently upward. We then proceed down a long hallway that is lit by rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls themselves. One of the beings motions for us to stop before a great door. Over the door is an inscription that I cannot read. The great door slides noiselessly open and I am beckoned to enter. One of my hosts speaks. Have no fear, Admiral. You are to have an audience with the Master. I step inside and my eyes adjust to the beautiful coloration that seems to be filling the room completely. Then I begin to see my surroundings. What greeted my eyes is the most beautiful sight of my entire existence. It is, in fact, too beautiful and wondrous to describe. It is exquisite and delicate. I do not think there exists a human term that can describe it in any detail with justice. My thoughts are interrupted in a cordial manner by a warm, rich voice of melodious quality. I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. I see a man with delicate features and with the etching of years upon his face. He is seated at a long table. He motions me to sit down in one of the chairs. After I am seated, he places his fingertips together and smiles. He speaks softly again and conveys the following. We have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well known on the surface world. Surface world, I half gasp under my breath. Yes, the master replies with a smile. You are in the domain of the Ariani, the inner world of the earth. We shall not long delay your mission and you will be safely escorted back to the surface and for a distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I shall tell you why you have been summoned here. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugerods, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral, but I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely, that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist. You see, our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral. I interrupted, but what does this have to do with me, sir? The master's eyes seem to penetrate deeply into my mind. And after studying me for a few moments, he replied, Your race has now reached the point of no return, for there are those among you who would destroy your very world rather than relinquish their power as they know it. I nodded, and the master continued. In 1945 and afterward, we tried to contact your race, but our efforts were met with hostility. Our flugerods were fired upon, yes, even pursued with malice and animosity by your fighter planes. So... Now I say to you, my son, there is a great storm gathering in your world, a black fury that will not spend itself for many years. There will be no answer in your arms. There will be no safety in your science. It may rage on until every flower of your culture is trampled and all human things are leveled in vast chaos. Your recent war was only a prelude of what is yet to come for your race. We here see it more clearly with each hour. Do you say I'm mistaken? No, I answer. It happened once before. The Dark Ages came and they lasted for more than 500 years. Yes, my son, replied the Master. 
The dark ages that will come now for your race will cover the earth like a pall. But I believe that some of your race will live through the storm. Beyond that, I cannot say. We see at a great distance a new world stirring from the ruins of your race, seeking its lost and legendary treasures. And they will be here, my son, safe in our keeping. When that time arrives, we shall come forward again to help revive your culture and your race. Perhaps by then, you will have learned the futility of war and its strife. And after that time, certain of your culture and science will be returned for your race to begin anew. You, my son, are to return to the surface world with this message. With these closing words, our meeting seemed at an end. I stood for a moment as in a dream, but yet I knew this was reality, and for some strange reason I bowed slightly, either out of respect or humility. I do not know which. Suddenly I was again aware that the two beautiful hosts who had brought me here were again at my side. This way, Admiral, motioned one. I turned once more before leaving and looked back toward the master. A gentle smile was etched on his delicate and ancient face. Farewell, my son, he spoke. Then he gestured with a lovely, slender hand motion of peace, and our meeting was truly ended. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please go ahead and share this show around social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't care where you share it, email. But if you enjoyed this show, please share it around social media. And once again, to let you guys know, we are going to be at Penhurst Asylum in July, July 20th through the 21st. So if you're interested in coming out and meeting me and checking out the vendors table and all the cool speakers that are going to be there, please go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, click the events section, and then look at where you can buy tickets on our website. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. What are the Hopi Indians, Adolf Hitler, Tibetan monks, and Icelanders have in common? Their belief that the earth is hollow. Join us as we begin our journey to discover the truth about the hollow earth. in the depths, in the center of earth, the last world that's unknown to the people on the surface. Well, we explore the nooks and crannies of the crust. There could be a whole civilization underneath us. A race indigenous to darkness. They make their homes inside of holes in the cracks in the crevices. We check the poles for an entrance. Ask Admiral Byrd and the Nazis. They're my witness. He's just a man. tell of Shangri-La. And Shabala and Agatha. But they're not of God. These mythic cities are utopian dreams. Of secret esoteric occult societies. They study Crowley and Blavatsky. They seek possessed by these spirits from hell. Like Alice Bailey They seek the fruit of the serpent And they will reap what they sow These satanic servants They preach original delusion It is the seed that has sprouted The lie of evolution Social techniques that are pink and beliefs Unleashed like hungry wolves That are disguised as sheep They masquerade as these angels of light And brainwash all the masses Without even a fight It's deeply creepy and incredible Just take a trip to the center of Earth where it's unbearable. The idea that this inner realm Source of this is the paradise you dreamed about, dreamed about. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth with no way out The holy script 
Computers are explicit and descriptive The lake of fire is not a place you'd like to visit The hollow earth will not offer you enlightenment No other crystals or the spirit guides you sided with Their homes are core of the earth, their environment It's one of torment and darkness and violence The only fountains are the ones filled with flames The only faces are the ones filled with pain A population subterranean From every tribe, from every time, from every tongue, from every nation Accumulation of the sins of every human This land of lava is an everlasting prison So tell me now, is this vision one of paradise Or one of hell that's in line with the Antichrist? The that the hollow earth is actually inhabited by aliens waiting to do us great harm.